Well, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Cat with your great host, Alexander Hawk and Mr. Matthew Fisher. And today is, is a great, great episode. We got um, Jeremy Roberts. Okay, you might not recognize his name off the top of your head, but if you, you watch... Hmm? Or maybe you do. Oh, maybe you do. Yeah. But uh, if you watched any TV series like in the 90s uh, era, you would have seen him and you would recognize him when you saw him. He was in Xena Warrior Princess. He was in The Pretender, X-Files. If you are a Star Trek fan, he was in uh, Star Trek Undiscovered Country. He was one of the crewmen that worked with uh, Commander Sulu. And... um, and also, if you're a big fan of the movie The Mask, he actually played the bouncer in that movie. And he's been in so many TV movies. He's worked with some of the great actors. He's worked with Ving Rhames. He's worked with John Ritter. Mm. Uh, this guy has has done a lot. And it's first... great to have him on the show. Absolutely. He's, you're, uh, you're missing yeah, he... projects, homie. Huh? You're missing out some projects. You got first thing ever Christmas Vacation, of course, man. Quite possibly the one of the biggest Christmas movies of all time. Hey, I can't can't tell everyone everything he's done yet. I mean, that's that's what the show is for. Wow, man. you hint that you'll hint with them that you'll be, they're about to hear about it, and they'll, they'll tease you. Tease them, and they stay around for it. Oh, uh, you tease them, you tease them with it. Okay. So I'll tease it. We got some people under the stairs talk coming. You know what I mean? Stuart saves his family. Classic. I love that. That's one of my favorite SNL. Uh, adapted films of all time. It's very, like, uh, under the radar, too. It's kind of like the the Ladies' Man movie, where the Ladies' Man movie, I think, is long forgotten, but it's actually, like, a fun movie. Uh, Tim Meadows, what up? I know he listens to the show. Peace. Peace. And Al Franken. Oh, of course. Stuart saves his family. Stuart Smalley, one of the greatest. Now, I'm going to give it back to the Huckman. Oh, thanks. But um, the thing about Jeremy Roberts for me is he was one of the first actors that I really noticed. You know, you'd be watching TV and you see an actor pop up in, like, guest spots and small roles all through TV and movies. And, you know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Now, Jeremy Roberts was, like, the first one that really connected with me where – I'd be watching Hercules and be like, "Whoa, this is this is a great actor. This is a a, a fun, cool, cool uh, role." And then all of a sudden, you see him in another role in Xena, another role in The Pretender, another role in uh, a, another TV series. Uh, and and the thing is, like I say, he's as we've talked about before. We like talking uh, to and bringing in actors that you know, kind of been in everything and have worked with a lot of great people that you might not necessarily know who they are. And uh, Jeremy Roberts, I think, is a perfect example of one of those great actors that I don't think gets enough um, enough uh, or, or acknowledgement, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's why we're having him on the Boom Masterclass, where he can get all the praise that he ever wanted, acknowledgement that he ever wanted. This gentleman... After doing this show, if he wanted, uh, if he wanted to uh, pass away, you know what I mean? He could, knowing that he got the high praise. Um, but he's got many more years with us. Thank God. 
I haven't met the man personally yet on the on the on the Zoom console, but I feel like I'm gonna like this gentleman. I had a few back and forth with him. I know the Hawkman was talking to him more than myself. This is a Hawkman find. He 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 casted out the super talent into the pool of super talent, reeled it in. Mr. Jeremy Roberts was chilling on the other end of that hook. Hey. I like the, the faster pussycat kill kill poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Repping the fam. I have not. You're like the first people that actually know what that is. I, I brought it up because of, she's my mother-in-law, Haji. Yeah. But everybody I've ever mentioned to, they're like, they don't really like, oh, I don't know. Isn't it on at colleges at midnight? <laughs> Well, it used to. I mean, that's where I first saw it. I mean, heck, I love that movie. I think it's one of uh, the best uh, uh, midnight movies ever. I mean, oh, how can you not, huge? How can you not like that movie? It, it's it's it's. I would say it probably is one of the earliest ones. I would say really focus on like um, strong women characters, at least that I can think of. For sure. Yeah. Women with uh, automatic weapons in fast cars in the desert shooting men. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can you not like that? Honestly, <laughs> my question. And then on top of that, I mean, I was uh, growing up, and when I could finally go to a film such as that, oh, I fell in love with Kit Natividad, who is a good friend of Haji's. Yeah. I ended up meeting my wife to be, and her mother was Haji, and I went, wow. And then next thing you know, she's dating my childhood idol, Frank Gorshin, <laughs> the Riddler, and you know, and he did a Star Trek and everything else. I love that man. And next thing you know, he's about to marry my mother-in-law. So I, I couldn't be any happier back, well, before he passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. He was a five-pack-a-day, you know. Smoker, yeah. He could That's take a cigarette down with one inhale. <laughs> Adam oh. Adam West said that once. That's really? That's quite a couple. I like that. I appreciate that. That's a power couple. Oh, they're great. Oh, uh, it was... Uh, I mean, you know, you're sitting in your, your I mean, I, just because it's so amazing to me, he was somebody I grew up with watching. I watched him doing his impressions on Johnny Carson. And I just loved him. And here I am having a drink, bourbon on the, my my back porch. And he's, it's a name-dropping thing, but he's on the phone talking to Tony Bennett, seeing if he could get him to sing at their wedding. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> here's here's the Riddler. Yeah. Uh. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't that that show, it. you know, that Batman show, huge and yeah. iconic forever. You know what I mean? Then I lucky enough to got to have met uh, Julie Newmar. Yeah. Uh, Batgirl. I got her back here. Um, Yvonne Craig and uh, who else? Because they had given uh, Frank an award and they all showed up. And I'm, I'm, I revert right back to, you know, 12 years old or whatever yeah. I was with. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's always it was it's always great when you get to meet people that you grow up, you know, inspired by or that you you just you know, love watching. Um as I mean we did an intro before you came on and uh we were talking and I have to admit you are probably one of the first actors that I noticed because when when you're watching TV, you're watching movies, and there's always actors that, that pop up in supporting roles or as the bad guy or, you know, uh, guest stars and all that. And I remember watching, like, 
TV and be watching like Xena Warrior Princess and seeing you on that and then watching Hercules and you were on that and then The Pretender and so many other different shows and I, you just always stood out to me because no matter what different character you played even if you were uh, a pl still playing a bad guy you were always different you were never the same bad guy which, which I always appreciate because you have in my opinion, you have uh, a lot of different character actors where you have those that just have one, uh, always play exactly the same type of guy, no matter what role they are. And then you have those who play maybe the same type of character, but they always play that character differently. And that's one of the things I always appreciate when I saw you. Well, very kind. Thank you. I mean, I, yeah. it's odd because you're going between two things. One is uh, I was trying to lucky enough to get a role at all and here yeah. you are and you're going to have oh, and on top of that it's not just with the star of the show it's with some mega icon i mean i'm, I'm lucky i was knocking wood yeah that i got to be in the mask or the sister yeah. act or something all these huge small parts is fine i've never had a problem with that but you're sitting there thinking how am i going to get up there to dick van dyke how am i going to am i going to look like a bad actor next to angela lansbury or etc all these people I grew up with and, and and then on the other side you're going well I want to be very different but I don't want to be like I saw I see a lot of bad guys that they do that same thing it's yeah. it's all of a sudden all right what are you doing they're all going to do this voice down here yeah. and, and I'm going it feels like you're not connected to it to the guy the character because you're just being a guy down here who speaks low yeah I just did, I was like I don't want to do this and then on the other hand, you're trying to also just the best actors are the ones who just put themselves. There's a lot of the best actors in the characters. Yeah. The Nero's there. You know. Yeah. It's him. Kelsey Grammery. Yeah. yeah, he's actually that he, that's him. He's in that character. You can't be completely different without a little of yourself because it doesn't come out of your mouth right. Yeah. Unless you're just genius, brilliant. Which I wasn't. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I say that the influence that people pick up when they're younger is kind of what helped them perform, you know, perfect their kind of craft and their style and their way about doing it. You almost, you pluck from the influences a little bit and each, all those little collaborative things, so to speak, come in and make that new, like the new presentation of that, you know what I mean, in a way. It was, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So I guess with the, with the, let, let you, let's rock into it, you know what I mean? Oh, we're not uh, yeah. <laughs> so we always like to start off with where did you first get like the bug to get into acting? Was it something that came in really young? I know you said you, from that young age, you know, you, you know, watching all those all the TV and stuff. But in your own words, hmm. no, I was uh, never interested in theater or anything. I, I watched a lot of TV. My mom would wake me up. They'd let me stay up and watch the Johnny Carsons to see Frank because I, I knew I loved him. And, you know, and then, but she would always wake me up and uh, we'd move from Alabama when I was two to Hollywood and she would wake me up at midnight or the, to see the midnight movie or the late show. Time to sit back and watch the late show. And, and I, you know, what seven year old is up at midnight? And, but I would see all these old films. And I guess I'm assuming because that time with my mom, 
must have been what later on why I have such a huge love for the noir and the 40s, 50s. That's kind of movies. I just adore them. But still, no, no acting until I did a play. In, I did Our Town. I was in, in high school. And I, uh, I misstepped on stage, and there was a grave we had made in the stand. I fell right in it. And that got laughs, but uh, I was never going to do that again. Yeah. So I didn't act again. I, but I think I, uh, the strange connection is is that I I didn't get connected to it till I was after Vietnam, and I came back and I didn't know what I was going to do. And my dad was a chef at this country club about two blocks from Warner Brothers near the Smokehouse, a famous restaurant there, and the stars just hang out there. He got me a job uh, as a lifeguard. And then also a ninth hole bartender. So you're on the ninth hole and all these famous and the rich just come in, get a drink. And I get to push across a bourbon and branch water to John Wayne or Ward Bond's friend or Bing Crosby, Bob Hope. It was just huge. And and I'm like, but it's still never, I just was a nerd, you know. Any famous person would come by, Rudy Valley or, or, a, or a 1920s star, even. Yeah. I mean, I've got one degree of separation from everybody in Hollywood, it seems. But still didn't hit it, and I just loved the people. And that was I was a lifeguard, and the first time I met John, uh, uh, Tom Selleck, I tell this story only because he comes down the steps toward the pool on, on Easter, and it's this magnificent tall guy, and and the lights hit him back like Jesus, those pictures of Jesus. <laughs> and I, I just said, that guy is going to be somebody. I don't know if he's even an actor. Found out his name's Tom Selleck, and he was this Marlboro man or something. I went, hey, I, he's going places. He's gorgeous. You know, I'm not gay or anything, but I can recognize him. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. That's a Seinfeld line. But it's okay. <laughs> Still, I didn't. And then I did a favor for a, a, a director friend of mine. She was doing a small little theater, and she said, oh, look, I need somebody to take over this part for a while. We're doing uh, Laugh-In, that TV series. Yep. And we need someone to play an, an Indian uh, 7-Eleven, you know, owner. Man, terrible. A white guy playing an Indian, you know. Yeah. But I had the accent. I got it together, and I got up on stage and did a, my first line, and they roared, and I... I just said, this is it. It's like I accepted God into my life. I touched. I yeah. saw the white light. So I, and I said, I better go to school, college. And then I, and then there's something, it's weird. I have, I, I, I don't know. I, people call it a blessed life. I don't know if that's, I'm not a big religious person, spiritual maybe, but yeah. uh, the church doesn't, you know, make me jump up and down because I had to go every Sunday. Right. You know, my mom and dad, every Sunday until I joined the Marine Corps to get out of it. Yeah. I did a, I did that little play, fell in love. And, and, and the little things that just, just told you that you're going to be somebody or something that's going to work in this, this career is that I auditioned in LA for the American Conservatory Theater, the best school in the country at the time. And I, I did it on uh, St. Patrick's Day, coincidental. Uh, was it lucky? Um, Turned out that two weeks later, I get a letter on April Fool's Day (laughs) saying you got in. But, you know, I didn't believe it, April Fool's Day. But I got in, and and then once I got to the school and I got to the place I was going to live, 
and walked into the room. I was, I had rented with these other guys who were at ACT also first year students. I remembered a dream I had most of my youth. I tell this story because I don't understand and it's connected around, is there a God or not? I don't know. Something happened. I don't believe, I don't, I don't know. I had That's a dream, in it, hundreds of dreams. Yeah. When I was young, teenage dream, I was, I, I always had this dream and it was this dream where I'm, I'm carrying suitcases up this flight of stairs in a Victorian home because it looks like full house. Yeah. You know, those tall five story. I walk up the stairs with suitcases. I walk, look down the hall. There's a little, a man sitting in his room. He waves and uh, I look down the left and the guy says, that's where you, that's your room. I went in, set him down and then looked up and looked up and, and <clears throat> went over this feeling of absolute joy. And then that was a dream. And I had it all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. Weirdest thing. I told my mom and dad, they said, it's just a dream. You're at subconscious. Who knows? And it was the exact dream of that, that room, that Victorian home in San Francisco. And it happened 20 years before the dream or 15 years or 10. There was no acting, but all of a sudden I'm in that room of that dream. Now, how is that possible? How could I know? Yeah. That I was going to go to that school before I even was going to be an actor. How? 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 Right. It could, it's a destiny. It's already set out there type deal, you know? But but if it's, I mean, like this is happening right now. If yeah. you had a dream last night, the exact same thing, wouldn't it kind of freak you out? Oh, yeah. Well, like deja vu, for sure. You know what I mean? But, but with a but with video reality. recording of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't really know where to place it to, you know, to go to the church. The church thing's weird. I'm with you on that, where it's like, you know, in Jesus, in the Bible, Jesus kind of walked around. He didn't really set up shop in one building and say, come to this building and pay right. me. You know what I mean? I think it, the, the church itself's a little maybe corrupted by man, but I feel like the overall spiritual element of a God is definitely present. You know what I mean? A positive energy type thing. It's just, which one is it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Muslims think it's their God. Christians think it's theirs. The Buddhists think, man, I, I kind of want to believe it. They're all right, but they're all thinking of different, but they're the same. Yeah, I, that's it's somehow connected. I think it's all one, all the same energy with different names for different people. You know what I mean? There's too many people you could all, not to be. You know, right? And you could all believe in a God, and you could all be spiritual and good and kind, and but you you feel the need to go into that building that's caused millions of deaths right in uh, in, the, in the name of religion uh, yeah. death breaking up of families i mean like you see with politics now families don't talk it's real sad you know oh shoot your child if she doesn't you know marry a muslim or yeah. I, what yeah or said i'm not against any of them it's just no we're with you. all just get together <laughs> We stand together. We want love and peace on earth. That's what we really want. If everybody was happy, why be sad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my belief uh, when it comes to uh, the idea of religion and all that, I believe it's always a good idea until it gets organized. Mm. I believe religion is a very like specific to you. I mean, you can take aspects from all the different religions created all over the world and find either one that speaks to you or take bits and pieces from different ones and then bring them in to, you know, focus your life about. But in my opinion, when it comes to any kind of spiritual thing, it's a personal 
very personal. I mean, yeah. when, when people try to, you know, make uh, churches to synagogues or try to make, you know, like I said, make it organized, that's where I think the issues usually come from. And, yeah. I, and I always believe that when it comes to spiritual, whether um, however you look at it, wherever you take your inspiration from it, it's a, it's a personal thing. You don't need someone up there telling you, okay, this is how to believe, this is how you are to look at things. Not another I way, always believe least. that it's, it's, yeah. it's an inward you know, aspect, inward belief of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Same. I believe the same. And then, well, of course, Matthew here is, is right about everything because he's wearing correct hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They're stinking right now, though. I'm really unhappy. The game's on in there, and I was, I'm was. i not going to watch it. I'm saying, Boston, they can't even beat Texas. Forget it. They yeah, like to disappoint. They like to break hearts every now and then. Yeah. We're good at we, – we, we create stars, and then we can't afford them anymore. That's what we do. <laughs> Send them away. Exactly. Which is okay. I'm, I'm like uh, Boston. In the, it's, it's. Uh, I had, a, I think, a T-shirt I wanted to have made. Uh, uh, it, it was letters uh, A T. Uh, it was any team but Yankees. Any, any team but the Yankees. Any team but the Yankees. You know, I don't care if Boston's not going to make it. Then the Dodgers, because I live here or yeah. near L A. So, Daryl Strawberry, hell yeah. Oh man, don't like Daryl. Oh no no no! I do completely. Unfortunately, yeah. I loved him. And we were, I, I have his I have his baseball cards, and I was talking about Bad Lieutenant earlier today. And I know he he's a recurring <laughs> theme throughout <laughs> Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> uh, classic though. The uh, so let's let's pop into the pop into the the work. You want to pop into the work? Oh sure, I didn't. I didn't. Did I answer the question? That's something was going to happen here. If I if I just start going, I'll I'll end up. Oh, we love it. We all, we we yeah Did we know. Yeah. We take the journey. We could be circling back in the half hour. You never know. Yeah, I mean the thing. <laughs> honestly, we, we like to. I mean, it's it's free reign. Whatever you want to talk about. I mean, of course, we we want to hear about your experiences. Of course, in in the film industry and all that. But if there's something that you want to talk about, that's an offshoot. We're more more than game. Well, recently, uh, William Shatner and myself took a trip to Kabul and. Uh, now, I wish I could say something like that. Oh, yeah, Leonard, I mean, not Leonard, but uh, William and I, we, ah, we're right in the middle of that whole Kabul thing. Yeah, we're just <laughs> trying to help them get out. Yeah. We're using space. Yeah. Final frontier. Beam them up. Shatner's trying to Send beam them there. Up. <laughs> I got a quick question. Sure. You, you got to meet the, the, the legendary John Wayne? Oh, yeah. How, what was John Wayne like as a person? Well, you got to think of the, the little shack I'm in. It's no more than like 10 by 10. Yeah. And there's really only room for one or two. And I'm in the back behind these, uh, you know, you expect me handing hot dogs, which you yeah. did also. Hot dogs, whatever drinks they wanted. And, he, you know, usually it was liquor. And uh, he was a bourbon and branch kind of guy. And I, I think I'm wondering if maybe that, because that, I loved him, you know, whatever his faults were. Republican or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, he was a kid's idol. I mean, you want to grow up to be just like him. I mean, my, the shows I watched when I was young, it's weird. Uh, Rifleman, Andy Griffith, 
um, Father Knows Best, yes. uh, Courts of Eddie's Father. I mean, these are the ones connected to a uh, boy and his family. And they all ended up being uh, without, a, without a mother, sort of, except Father Knows Best. Yeah. There's always a son and a father. I never knew my father. My, my mother met, uh, met my stepfather when I was uh, five, married him when I was seven. And that's, I never met my real dad. There's a whole story behind that that's, you know, wow. But, uh, so I think that was what was missing in my life, was that a, a, a dad, because yeah. he was always putting together restaurants. He was a chef. And so, he, you know, he, he didn't, I don't think my stepdad had much of a father thing. <laughs> I loved the guy. So he was always burnt. So I guess I looked at these shows, and, and then, uh, then when, when I was almost 12, Star Trek happened, and that was, I couldn't wait, because I'm one of those sci-fi readers, Highland, you know, Dick, name it, and I read it, Lord of the Rings, I'm just I'm a huge fan of that. So, um, when Star Trek happened, I was right there, you know. I'm, and then Frank was on the, the show of uh, Ed Sullivan, The Night the Beatles Were, which was Fun to talk to him about, but no, you guys see, look, it's happening. You asked about John it. Wayne. I love it. Yeah, I love, I love it. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, he's just the same guy, same guy in the movies. Again, that thing, he was just being him. Yeah. He didn't. He wasn't anybody other than him. When he asked for the drink, he would he would come up, and I would say, "Bourbon, that's it, son." And uh, I found myself doing John Wayne. Yeah. Everybody that came in at when they left. I would be sitting in there doing, trying to do him because Frank Dorshin, I was, he was an impressionist. Yeah, yeah. He did all my favorite stars, Bert Lancaster, every one of them. And so when I would watch him, so I watched these stars, but never wanting to be one would just be able to sound like him. I was yeah, terrible. Yeah. I didn't very good at it, but he was wonderful. And then his friend, Ward Bond, who we put in every movie, is one of the examples I use when they, people ask about acting, and uh, I, I never wanted to be famous. It was actually, I didn't have any interest in, oh, I want to be famous, because I think that's a big thing now. I think about 20 years ago, they did a survey with children in their teens, 10 to, 12 to 18, and one of those things, what do you want to be when you grow up, kind of questions. And, and the answer among all of them was rich and famous. Yeah. And that was kind of depressing, that, you know, the world now, Wants to be famous. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a person. I'm not. I didn't want it. I was fine with being the character. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barry Fitzgeralds, the um, Lon Chaney Juniors. You know, playing with masks on, playing horror films. Yeah. You know, all of them. I loved them. Of course, the star. You know, Gary Coopers and etc. James Stewart, John Wayne, Spencer Tracy. I, like I said, I was a big '40s. 40s fan and 50s. Yeah. yeah. Alexander, you're frozen a lot of the time. I am. am oh, I there you go. There you go. Yeah, he just he has he has little he has little health issues where he, he appears to be frozen at times. Or I thought, man, I'm I'm really so interesting that he's. Well, well, it is. I mean, the thing is that I'm I'm listening. I mean, I I. When I'm listening to someone, I give them my full attention. You're a good man like that, Charlie Brown. I, I try. I try. But yeah, it's he can sleep while he's awake. <laughs> They're fake eyes. My wife's he's wearing two pairs of glasses. 
Yeah, you don't even know he's wearing two pairs of glasses. <laughs> One with fake eyes and the other with glasses. <laughs> what? It's, you what? Know, what? The, kid, the kids of today, you know, all want to be rich and famous. That's very dangerous. You have, like, the TikTok generation. Like, my niece, who's, like, 12 years old, is like, she wants to be a TikTok star. I think this is very not good for their mind, you know what I mean? It's a, I wonder where it'll all end up. Because it's like, no, but not everybody can be famous. So very, very little percentage of these people are allowed to be famous, you know what I mean? It's like and false, it's a, false expectations. There's a fake famous going on yeah. now, I think. They even did a show I saw called Fake Famous and showed these people going through that they were going to try to make them famous. Fake. Yeah. For no reason. There's a lot of famous for no reason now. I mean, and, and, and the bar seems to be so low in every aspect, you know, of no, life. Yeah. Music is it's not like it was any other time, I don't think. But. It's like satanic now. Now, I want to comment. <laughs> I, I can relate with you because I, I never knew my, my real father either. And I, my stepfather came into the picture when, when I was like six. Um, now, do you think, you know, do you think that, that there, there's a more push that you have, I almost feel like, when you're attempting, you know what I mean? There, there's, there's like a, an acceptance type thing. But I also wanted to relate it to the kids of today because we're dealing in, the, the, you know, the numbers of fatherless children are way beyond. You know, now back, back when I was a kid, at least, it was rare. You know what I mean? And now it's half the kids you go to school with don't have, they're missing one of the parents. Do you think that due to that, is why we have such a rise and everybody wanting to be famous. It's like they want to prove themselves. They need acceptance type deal. Maybe. Maybe. You know I, mean? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just shocked to see. I thought reality TV would go away too 20-something yeah, well, years ago. I was saying, oh, this is going to wants to see a show. But then those things happen too maybe because that way those people became famous for just doing the job they did every day before. Yeah. And then every part of it is fake because I know a lot of the producers and I know mm-hmm. that they, they constantly just make, oh, no, 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 just do that again. Do that again. This time, give her a little more something. Or, you know, they want to make drama. Yeah. And it's fake. That's the fake famous. And I have a, mm, I have a person I went to college with. Uh, he's the soup Nazi. Oh, okay. We're acquaintances now. But he he's wanted to be famous for forty years, yeah. and he he got the soup Nazi, and it became what it did. Everybody just was, was nuts about it. Yeah. And then he 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 didn't he didn't want to do. I, I told him at the time, you got to accept jobs. And he thought he was just so great that he should have his own series and. He wasn't going to take anything less yeah. under five lines or a co-star. And he didn't, and he didn't get any. And he, so he's decided to be famous by that. Yeah. And he's made a career out of selling things with soup Nazi on them or ladles yeah. and cups. Going to conventions and, and stuff. Doing uh, signings at these places for people. And it, it's a great entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, it's just to be famous. He's desperate for fame yeah. to keep it. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't know. I th- yeah, it's I think un- something. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, I think it's something within people. I think you know that that even like when when you peak, 
it's that whole thing with like you think you're gonna be you're gonna fulfill something or feel like a void almost. Not speaking for that dude personally, but you you feel like you're gonna fill this void if you get the fame. And then I think a lot of people get the fame and they still have that emptiness and they're like, ah, like I need I need more. And that's when they go into that whole like really need to be beloved type deal. You know what I mean? Like constantly almost. And then we end up with a with, then we end up with a president too. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get political. We just end up with somebody who's a reality star. Yeah, and that's why they think he'd be greater because he had a a business sense, which is ridiculous because he had none. He bankrupt right. five times, and I can't even go bankrupt once. <laughs> it didn't make me, but anybody could be president, though. Like it's true. Anyone. Well, if you got the money, you can become president or have friends with money. Again, that's another thing: money. Yeah, the root of evil. I mean, money is all what anybody thinks about. I mean, you need it. Yeah. But man, oh, you'll be run by them. I'd I, love to be rich. Of course. <laughs> Didn't happen. You can take the rich, but without the famous. It's one of those deals. Reality I got, I got, I actually got all that because when people, when I would walk down the street when I was working, I haven't done anything in 10 years. So I, I, I retired. I'm coming back now, but then I came back right when they had the pandemic. So it, it, I couldn't come back. Yeah. So I we went through that year. See, I, I got off the subject, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, walking down the street. Yeah. When I was working, it was always, it's never, Jeremy Roberts! It was always either stopping me and, um, do I know you? Yeah. You look, did I go to school with you? If they were close to the age. And, and I, usually I would be able to say, well, I, uh, see, I, I chopped a guy's head off on the practice last night. That's right! <laughs> and I, you know, it's wonderful. It was yeah. great. It was lovely, but it was always, I know him. And it's even nowadays, it's, it's what's happening with doing a podcast is they'll find out you're, you're doing it because you're on Star Trek, one or two of them, whatever, three. But it's what ends up coming out is they end up going to IMDb and they go, like you said, hey, you're in everything that I grew up with. I Maybe they didn't see you or remember you, in, but or maybe they did, but it, would they bring up all these whatever I've done? And uh, it's it's heartwarming. It's, it's like, well, actually, you do, do remember if we point it out. Yeah, I find that's better. You know, when I see the people or hear about people that want, they want like that world where there's 50 paparazzi outside their house every day. There's people going through their trash. It's like, why would you want that? Like you want like a a mid-level where you're appreciated, but not stocked, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like a fair, even trade-off. Clint Eastwood said that a friend of mine was in uh, pink Cadillac. Yeah. And, uh, he invited me to go to it, and I, you know, I wanted to meet Clint and see if I could get into one of the shows. But uh, I didn't get to meet him because it turned out he, he he didn't go because he knew. And they, he told everybody, I can't go because they're having it at a bowling alley. And the minute he, any other time, he says, I just can't go to the cast parties because then it's just <laughs> swarm, and then there's no party. It's just, Clint it. And I could understand it, but. Because I just can't do that to the party and everybody there. They deserve this, and so I'm not. He couldn't go, or maybe he just didn't want to have that. He just—it's yeah. so tiring having everybody love you. I guess it's true. You know, it's of course a beautiful thing because you're getting the endurance. <laughs> but like, yeah, ugh, there's a lot to it. I think to go back to this whole what people. That's why I think reality shows are so big is because they look at it and they can go, "I can be a celebrity." You know what yeah. I mean? It's like I could be this person. 
Uh, they don't understand how fabricated it is. I mean, we we're in Boston. We had some of the reality. We had like um, storage wars came around here, and uh, we had some people in the community be you know like back like background pretend to be bidding on things and like it's all fake. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I had a quick. I have a quick question. One of my favorite older actors of the the, the day was Mr. George Burns. Did you ever get a chance to meet George Burns? No, uh, which is odd because Frank played him. Yeah. He, I've got a, no, there he is right there in that wall. Am I looking at it right? The, well, you can't see it. There's another one over, over there. Yeah. <laughs> this whole thing, I'm pointing to the, to the left, but it's going over that way when on the screen. It's that whole, that's why I couldn't be a director. I just never understood where, you know, that there's, they're doing a sex scene. So they got to have it shot. With the guy over here, when they shoot the girl, they got to do it like this. I never got it. My brain just couldn't handle it. Why aren't they both laying on their left side? Anyway, I had off the subject. But no, I never got to, and I didn't get a chance to get to New York where he was doing it. Yeah. The uh, Sagan Night Gracie. That's too bad. George is an interesting dude. He's He's got that cool look about him. He's a singer, too. Um, I got an album by him. It was like, I wish I was 18 again. And that whole album is incredibly awesome. You know what I mean? Like for, you'd think an actor wouldn't, you know, wouldn't quite have great music. Um, but the whole album's ridiculously good. Huh. Let's hop into some TV work. Shall we? You got the, on your first TV gig, you got to work with the great Alexander Hawk. Holla, <laughs> what's his name? Tell him, speak it. John Ritter. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one of my favorites. His, uh, one of my favorite. I mean, even Three's Company. I mean, oh yeah, obviously because of her. But I just—he was hilarious, and he was hilarious there. All of all these big guys, big most of them, ninety-nine percent of these huge stars are just just guys, girls. I mean, yeah, it sounds so cliche, but I mean, uh, I was fucking excuse me, I was sweating, <laughs> sweaty, nervous, sweaty, nervous, man. That was my first gig, and. I didn't even, I wasn't sure because they told me all the facts. Well, 95% of the people that are trying to make it in Hollywood don't. Yeah. 5% will be waiters that will keep trying and they may get some success. But, and then 5% are famous. And I, and I ended up being in the 5%, but never got the fame, which was fine. You know, but I, it's amazing to me that there's so many millions trying all the time. The odds are just horrible. So I thought, well, I'm, I got the first job. I may never get another one. This is it. If it's done here, I'm going to. So I went down to Hollywood, and I went into the Hollywood, the famous Hollywood paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, uh, Things of. Yeah, uh, memorabilia. Memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. Paraf- it's another. Paraphernalia you smoke uh, weed out of. That's another. <laughs> well, that's the store next door I went in. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a picture. I said, oh, I'm in there with him. I'll get a John, uh, John Ritter photo. So I brought it on set because I'm going to have that one on my wall. I didn't ever work again, but I'd have John. Knockwood, luckily, I, that was not the last. I have like two or three hundred now. I just never stopped. I'm so, yeah. so, so happy. But, yeah, he was a, he was a very nice person. He laughed at, at my line. And we had to shoot again. That's what made me, I'm, I'm doing it right, I guess. I had to laugh. I made the joke. He laughed. 
he didn't hit him laughing the actual shot, but he did. So, I guess that gave me the uh, the drive to actually say those kind of things later because I I did end up having to gall occasionally to the line. How about if I say this? Da, 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 and I did that in a marrying mat. Mm. I'm I'm saying something to Armand Santi, this Bugsy Siegel, and I change it about toothpaste. I don't know what the I can't remember now, but the director says, "Well, let me see," and I, I what does "let me see" me. So he gets on the phone, and in a, in a bungalow nearby is Neil Simon, and he's talking on the phone to Neil Simon. And next thing you know, a few minutes later, he's coming over, and I what to hear you say it. <laughs> God, I'm, I've rewritten Neil Simon. This is wrong, wrong. <laughs> but I said it, and you go, ah, ah, that's, that's better. Fine. And he just walked away, and the director says, hey, we just rewrote Neil Simon. <laughs> that was just, I get a little chill. Every get, I still get chills on these little, they're tiny. They're like, it's like I'm a nerd from the beginning. I, I it never changed, no matter from the first to the last. Yeah. I was still. And trying not to be gaga about it, you know. Hell yeah. Not that I'm anywhere near their level, but not to snivel all over. <laughs> Give me an autograph. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. in the show with you. I can't do that, but I wanted to. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know exactly uh, what you mean because I've done a few uh, films with actors that I admire and and you're kind of like in, in you don't want to come off unprofessional but you also want to you know get that picture or get that moment with them and you know you see them there it's just eating lunch and all that and you're kind of like yeah should i should i just you know just stay over here and not do it or this might be my only chance to talk to them and i i totally understand that and it i remember that sitting down next to is dick van dyke and Something to diagnose his murder, I think. It was another one of those. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm to, I have to do a scene with him and Piper Laurie, and I just, you keep seeing her in The Hustler yeah, with Paul Newman and him in that, da 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 da, he's the, falling over the thing, and Dick Van Dyke, I can't get over how great this is. He's having lunch just uh, right there at a picnic tables, and there's, it's like that old thing they tell you. You can ask the prom queen out. She doesn't get anyone to ask her. Go ahead. They want you to sit next to him. And you're like, no, no, no. He's going to want to go run the minute I do. But I sat down and started like, sit down, son. How you doing? I went, (laughs) I still, what am I, 60s now? And I still gaga about it. I, I, I fumbled through that scene actually with them too a couple times till he had to just say the lines. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I dig it. The, uh, you go back to, to, to John Ritterman, quite possibly one of the most greatest physical comedians of all time. They don't, I don't think they give him enough credit for that. Um, and he seems like one of the, like, it was great that what you said about him, I mean, he seems like one of the most genuine people of all time, you know what I mean? Absolutely like, normal. I was horrified when he passed. I think a lot of people were like, mm. it was super sad and unexpected, just out of nowhere. Crazy. Right. No, I, I, it seems like every day there's somebody, and we're well, already 
because we're old thinking, man, who's next? Yeah. Wanna... It's I, I tell people it's like, you know, all the it's forget it, you know, all the when pop culture and the TV and movies really blew up. It's like, you know, it's it's the generational thing. You know what I mean? You're starting to see, unfortunately, people are starting to pass in a big way, which is terrible. Or when you hear somebody in their 60s. Yeah. Ah, that's my age. Yeah. I'm not ready. And he is a spiritual man, and he's still not ready. You can stay here for as long as you want. That's how we do it. I think if there's a God, whichever, I'm sure he's got me here. Because they take yeah. the good. They always yeah. kill the good. And so I'm here because I play bad guys, I guess. <laughs> You're that believable. You're that I'm believable. That You're that believable when God's looking down. He says, we're going to keep him here a little longer for him to straighten things out. <laughs> or, or he hasn't got it yet. <laughs> the reason we're here. I still don't know that. Yeah, you were part of uh, Doogie Howser, MD. <laughs> gigantic. You know, that was a big show from back in my youth. Any good stories <laughs> from working on Doogie Howser? Uh, not the actual show, but later, um, I lived with my girlfriend in, in, uh, it's in Hollywood on Melrose. And, uh, in one of these little bungalows where you walk down the center and there's bungalows on each side as you walk in. And, uh, we lived at the back and in the front was a guy named Neil Flynn. And, you know, he had hadn't done this yet. I didn't recognize him <clears throat> and we didn't recognize each other for some reason in between there and he's he was depressed one day and he's just I, I can't do it anymore I'm giving up he's gonna he's he's packing his stuff he's there for another week in this apartment he's going back to I think he lived in Chicago yeah he's gonna he's gonna go back he's just it's not happening in Hollywood for him and sad and Next thing you know, he's got an audition for Scrubs. <clears throat> Next thing you know, Scrubs has happened, and then the middle, and, you know, we didn't even ever recognize that we had uh, done Doogie Hauser together. Yeah. yeah. Unless I've mixed up the past somehow, and we hadn't done it yet. What year was it? Do you remember? That was in um, 1989 and 1992 episode spot. Eighty-eight, nine. Eighty, yeah, eighty-nine. Nineteen. Uh, that was in ninety. Not yeah. You did an eighty. The pilot was in eighty-nine, and then you did another spot in ninety. Trying to figure out then because we never mentioned anything when we were talking to each other that we had ever done it yet. So maybe I hadn't done. We hadn't done that yet. Yeah. I'd have to go back and remember. It was a it was a it was fantastically horrible relationship I was having. <laughs> so, you know, you know when they're a little, mm -hmm. and you can't, and it isn't her fault. It's just, the best kind, yeah. Yeah, oh, I ended up having them all. And I, my wife, I'm married to one now. She's magnificent. Fantastic. It's an Aries. Very well. Aries is good. They're a little feisty. Fierce. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's, they're all they're magnificent. She's a she's a sleepwalker cooker. Sleep <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds dangerous. Scary at first. Scary. Yeah. But, then, but then when you taste the food and you go, wow, it's 
I'll wake you up in a minute, honey. Can you make me that Reuben? <laughs> you just put a stove in the corner of the bedroom. You're just going to roll over and keep make sure it ain't getting too crazy. And everything's cool. Just as long as she doesn't start walking outside and serving the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> that is problematic. <laughs> we Now, the first f- feature film ever, I believe, was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Right, right. Now, that film is, a, I love it. It's a masterpiece. Within my family, it has been a staple to Christmas since it came out. But more recently, it's become like the second A Christmas Story. You know what I mean? It's like the second big, biggest Christmas film, bigger than Elf. It's number two. And then Elf's number three. Um, how'd, that, how'd that come about? Getting oh, on that was, the gig on that. That was great. That was, yeah. it had... Her, uh, was it Herbert, Herbert Marshall? Anyway, he was uh, one of the fathers. God, it's mm-hmm. terrible not remember these big star I love names. Yeah. Well, I'm not good with remembering anyway, just late. But uh, the, all the people there, Doris Roberts, etc., Randy Quaid, and blah, blah, blah. It was just huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, and I, I I came in on the day they were going to, the next day they were going to shoot that because they didn't, they somehow lost it. I didn't know the story behind it. Lost the guy or, and I mm-hmm. had to rush in to uh, whatever studio, do it right there in the, in, on the stage. He ran from where they were shooting something of it, ran over, and I gave the freeze line. <laughs> yeah. All that to say, what, you couldn't have just hired me? I mean, uh, that was like what Shelley Winter said that when she had to audition after getting an Academy Award, she went in and put the Academy Award right down on the casting boy, you know, desk. Say, there's my audition. Something, you know. Like, why do you need to read me? I, all I'm saying is freeze. I didn't have an Academy Award to put down, of course. But it was just, come on, it's just freeze. That's the one thing I said about the union. You know, I don't, I shouldn't say against the union. They, they're the one union in the world that can't get you a job. They're really basically useless for that. You need a job, we can't help you. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I got it. Boom. He said, he's good. He's in. He went off and finished shooting, and I left going, I'm in a Christmas movie. I hope it just gets to last forever. Yeah, and it, it will. Yeah, you're talking. Tell my daughter. I said, "Look, this, these residuals—they're going to go on forever. I'll be gone, but you'll keep getting checks. <laughs> then you get that one check that says double zero on it. <laughs> <laughs> they actually give you a check with a penny or yeah, a zeros. It's amazing. It's better than nothing, though. I guess, right? At least sure, because numbers. you can. You can take that check and go into a residual bar. It's called residuals in, in uh, Studio City in L.A. And they'll put that check up on the wall and give you a drink because you need it or something. <laughs> well, uh, e.j. Oh, Marshall. Chris vacation. Yeah, e.j. Marshall. There you go. That was his name. Yeah, Art, he, he played it. Art. The, uh, the, uh, I think that was Clark's father. Yeah. And, def- and he was in The Defenders. One of the first uh, creep show. He's also in Creep Show, the horror movie. Yeah, but in Defenders, Frank did an episode of Defenders where he got to do his impressions in it. And he was, people that were uh, uh, underrated was like uh, you mentioned that about was it Ritter? Yeah, Hulu was another one. I thought I saw him uh, in a Twilight Zone dramatic where he kills himself at the end, jumps out of a window because he's a Japanese, and the guy in the room with him in that. Locked in is a uh, veteran uh, American from World War II, and he's etc. 
he was great. I went, man, he doesn't get a chance to act. He never, he was really good. You yeah. completely went, that's not Sulu, that's, that's good. Yeah. But the Christmas vacation, that was another instance where I, uh, I felt, well, I, I'm a good enough writer to change my lines. Uh-oh. John well, Hughes. I, what, how, <laughs> uh-oh. I yelled, freeze. That was my line. Yeah. And all, everybody in the cast sits there, and Beverly Angelo has her hand frozen on his crotch. Everybody just... And, but I say, you know, it might be funny if everybody crashing in. You see him coming down the stairs, running through the window, the SWAT team. If when I yell freeze, all of them in their running go, stop, since it's zany. Yeah. And they all freeze, and I go, not you, them. You know, and director, hmm, Jeremiah Chechik was his name. He uh, yeah. didn't think that was as funny as just freeze. And, but uh, Chevy Chase had become friends of mine, actually, at the time. I don't know how. But we would end up playing the uh, one of the first golf games on Xbox-ish or PlayStation. I don't have any of them because I'm horrible. <laughs> yeah. And you'd think I could be good at it. But no. uh, but he, he, we're playing, and I, I'm, again, shocked because I'm with Saturday Night Live. I'm, I'm with, jeez, uh, this is just a dream for an actor. Yeah. And we're playing. We're not really we're not acting. I'm just, he's right next to me, and we're playing a game. I, and you're going, God, he's nuts. But I told him about that. I said, this line I have, that's kind of, it's not, it's funny, but I thought, we, and he laughed, and he goes, yeah, that's, that's good. I didn't think anything like it. We went back out, and we were going to shoot this when it came up. He goes, Jeremy had an idea. <laughs> no, Jeremy has an idea. Great. Yeah. The guy with under five lines is going to tell me, you know, oh, it's not good. And he goes, tell, do it. Show So I, Explain it. He goes, well, no, I don't think that's funny. Sorry. And Chevy says, I think it's funny. And it's in. <laughs> oh, the set was quiet. It was not a word. And he looked at Chevy and he's okay. And he gives me a look. And I went, oh, I will never work again. At least for him. I didn't, but I don't think that. I don't think he ever held against me. But that look said, you're dead. <laughs> And he put it in, and it's in the movie. Chevy's <laughs> Once a again, good man. I, I had the gall to think I could rewrite. And who was it I rewrote? Was it Christopher Columbus? John Hughes was the writer Hughes of that film. Right. Quite, quite possibly the biggest writer of the eighties. <laughs> and I get that. I'm so lucky. I was so lucky that I get when I get something. It's not just just a, a, a part. It's a part in oh, the longest running this. Oh, it's a part in uh, a Disney uh, hurry, fully loaded. Yeah. Who's been a, a twelve episodes of that? You know, it's gone on forever. Yeah, it's Christmas Vacation. Name them, and, and it's every one of them is some. It's like you're not a big part, and they're never going to remember you, but you're in it. Yeah, you're in that. The mask. Oh, just sure. It's just I don't want to read my resume, but it seemed like <laughs> we'll get there. Roles, and then there's one roles in those films. Yeah, like, man, you lucked out. You know, in, in the same way that people speculate that Steven Spielberg came in and directed Poltergeist instead of Tobey Maguire, people speculate that you actually wrote the script instead of John Hughes <laughs> <laughs> for Christmas <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that continues when I, if I get to go back. You want those royalty checks. <laughs> I want some John Hughes royalty checks. 
<laughs> Damn, I, I, I remember the first one I got that was substantial. I mean, I'm not bragging or anything. It was just the fact that it was so large. You don't used to getting this. I got a residual check for the mask. I was getting residuals for commercials that I'd done. And that's another thing. I've only done four commercials, but they're all like, they're like, I think big, huge, uh, like Pac Bell and, uh, they, they were, they were nationals. And I played religious figures, which is really weird. I played bad guys all the time, but the four commercials, I, I, I was, uh, Toys R Us. I was one of the three wise men. Uh, in a Pac Bell commercial, I talked to God. I'm Noah. <laughs> And uh, it's just like every one of them, I'm playing religious for when it's a commercial. But if it's a TV show, I'm going to murder somebody. <laughs> and I think it was because they saw my eyes once. Uh, a makeup person, when they were putting on, it was Deep Space Nine, looked at me and he says, God, you're just so, that face. They know that, how they look, the Gem Hadar. But when, you, when they focus on your eyes, you're sweet. You have this gentle eyes. I oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm mean. <laughs> no, you're sweet. Shut up. <clears throat> well, what was that about? I'm mean, talking about something. There he goes. We well, we also have another film called The People Under the Stairs, mm. which we're, we're a big horror fan over here. You know how'd that come about? How'd you get linked? West Craven. West Craven. West Craven. See, it wasn't just a horror film with. The usual character, just done, you know, anybody can do one. Yes. Yeah. Wes Craven. Damn. Yeah. The king oh. of psychological horror, yes. Oh, he was, oh, it was great. And then I think it, I got that because he did, he did a lot of the writing for uh, Freddy, Freddy's Nightmares, but I did one where yeah. I cut a guy's tattoo off in that. That was fun. <laughs> Good yeah. times. You know, you get to do a lot of stuff every day that's, that no people don't. You know, you get up today, what's your job? Well, I go to work, 9 to 5. Whatever it is, is great. But what are you doing? I'm robbing a bank, and then I shoot two people, go to lunch. Yeah. I get to eat anything I want. They put it out. Yeah. And then I go back. I kill another person. <laughs> it it prevented my daughter, who's in her 20s now, but it prevented her from ever doing anything, coming on the set a lot, because she would, I think, uh, Herbie was the first one because she would ask before and mm. say, can I miss school today? Because I'd like to take her. I'd right. really take her when I could. And most of the time I would have to think about what I'm doing. Like I said, I, I, I'm practicing cutting a guy's head off. Uh, not today. Yeah. I'll bring you when, I, when, I'm, when I'm just beating somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> so she couldn't go. But then she did get to go on Herbie Fully Loaded because it was the first time I got to play a a fun guy or happy. Yeah. Crazy Dave and that. And she shut the production down when I, she said, bring your daughter. She skateboards. I do too. Da, da. So I brought her the next day and boom. Again, a director and everybody looking over at me like, Oh, you brought your daughter to play. This is a $50 million film and you got it all. I, I'm like, she did. Lindsay is the one who said, oh, bring her on. I'm just sitting here listening and walking. So for 15 minutes, she skateboarded with my daughter. It was That's great. That's cool. That was great. When she was normal. Yeah, yeah. She, had her, she had a little fall from grace. But I'm glad to hear she was cool. I mean, that's oh, yeah. very cool. You know what I mean? The producer And that she didn't care either. She didn't. She was like, oh, oh I'm skateboarding. Oh, yeah. well, there's $10,000 lost. Crew members are all like. <laughs> 
horrified. Yeah, and that's why they 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 gave her trouble. They gave her troublesome. Before we move on from the people under the stairs, do you have any cool insight to Craven on set as a director, or just any cool stories from working with Wes Craven? Rest in peace. You know, he passed mm-hmm. away a couple years back. No, he was. It was just a job. Then if you came in, um, is he more interactive? Nice. Or, I know. I know sometimes more directors are more interactive with the actors than others, and some kind of will stay behind the monitor and have the AD talk to the actors sometimes, you know what I mean? If I didn't get to talk to a director most of the time, it would be because I assume if they don't talk to me, then I'm doing it right. Mm. There's nothing he needs to say quicker, faster, funnier, or whatever he wants to say. They would usually get up, walk over, and talk to you a little bit or say, give you some insight or something you're not doing or whatever. But it, now he never, uh, if they say cut, is that good for you? And I, Oh yeah. Move on. And yeah. he's, I learned that in, in TV too, that you get it done quick and they, they love you bring you back as long as you don't stink. Yeah. But I thought I stunk all the time. That's why I never really watched anything. I couldn't watch it. Which is a drag. I, I'm getting better now. I can look back now and look at stuff and go, oh, well, well he didn't stink. <laughs> no, maybe. It, I realized I, it was not going to be helpful to me if I watched, if I'm going to think badly. Because maybe I'm not objective enough because next week I get another job. Week after that, I get another job. So either they're just bad judgment of talent. And I don't care if you're going to hire me. Or I actually might be doing it right. Yeah. So it's best not to look. A lot of actors, they love to go back behind that uh, that monitor with the director and and, and look at themselves. And I just can't do it. And maybe it would have been good because I might. They say you can get better by seeing yourself. But, uh, yeah. I, I couldn't even do that when Dallas Cowboys, when they became an expansion team and, and, and they were losing, just because I was watching the game. <laughs> I had to go into another room and like, oh, my God. You fumbled and I looked. I looked and they fumbled. I knew it. Yeah. So I, you know, same thing happened when you're an actor. But now I look back at these things and I see so many pictures. Like I saw uh, the Star Trek one, and I went, "Man, I'm, I'm pretty. I, I should have been huge." <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta remember, if you put it in here, it's gonna come out of there and it's gonna become truth. Yeah. I believed in creative visualization when I was younger. I read a book, and uh, he said, well, I'll give that a shot. First year back in Hollywood, I put up a big board, and on it, you're supposed to write this year and all of the accomplishments. Not like you're going to, but like you did it. Mm-hmm. It's already happened. It's in your mind. You believe that you're going to get five guest stars or save whatever money or whatever trips, and you put it on that board, and you make it like uh, you cut out little letters from a magazine make it look like a ransom note mm. so it has more power when you read it every day and you imagine yourself in these things and literally everything that i said on every year that i put that board up it happened if not a little more and then when i got lazy and stopped doing it the jobs slowly whittled down and i had to start back i, I hadn't done it in the last 10 15 years because i'm not acting but it worked, so it made me believe that there's a power of your mind. Oh, it for sure. Produce, so. 
we we talk about that a lot actually kind of behind the scenes with our group because we do films and stuff as well as the podcasting and the power of speech is it's prayer it's literally prayer at the end of the day yeah. it's just speaking positivity over what you want to happen you know exactly Alex, how do you feel about watching your, your performances after the fact? Do you, you watch them or you stay away from them? Well, I mean, for me, I always watch them uh, for the simple fact that uh, for two reasons, honestly. One is the, the basic one of I want to look at how I did a role because what, one of the things, I mean, as I mentioned before, you played a bunch of different bad guys, but you played your bad guys differently. I, I try to do the same thing where I, I play either, sometimes I play serial killer types and other times I play the comical chubby best friend. But I don't want each role to end up blurring into the next. So I want to watch and, and try to say, okay, I did this one like this. So when I'm doing this character, which are pretty much the same type, I, I want to change. I want to, you know, modify. Because, like I said, I mean, I, if, if I don't watch it, I feel like I get complacent and like, well, you know, I did this in the last one. I'll just do this in, in the other one. And then, hmm. yeah, I, I, I want to try to, you know, show that I can do different things with the same, same character. And the other way is also just to see how the director films me. So I have an idea. So subconsciously when I come in that if I stand a certain way and I look, you know, not that good that way, try to, you know, position my body in a way to make it easier to get the best possible, I would say, look on screen. So, I mean, that's, that's why I always watch my stuff. Just I wish I'd have been able to. Yeah, always trying to, you know, improve. I just wish I'd have been able to do that, to have that ability to look. Because you didn't look and go, oh, you didn't look and see, man, that performance. Oh, I, I, How I, am I, I ever hired? Don't, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times where <laughs> I look at, at what I've done, especially since uh, a lot of stuff I've done is like what you said, where they give you a line and then you either say, well, can I modify it this way? Can I, you know, try something different? And I do that. And of course, every time at that moment, it feels like the best possible way to go. And then <laughs> you watch it later and you're like, yeah, but if I did it like this, instead of like that, it would have been better. And there's a lot of times where, you know, as an actor, you make a decision and you go in a certain direction and the director either likes it or just some directors I've had, I think, were just apathetic, who just, you know, said, do whatever you wanted to do. But, you know, after rewatching, I know I did this one really bad, bad horror independent film where I tried to do a southern accent and I'm not good with accents, but I, the director didn't seem to have an issue, and I thought, you know, it was coming across well. Uh, it didn't. It was really bad. Uh, I, I, I see that now. <laughs> and that's why you don't try to do Southern accents. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's a learning. I mean, a lot of times, I definitely, if I look at my earlier stuff, there's a lot of times I look at it and I cringe. But the, as I always say, that that's just a learning experience. You just look at it and you just try to take, okay, that didn't work. How can I improve upon that? And that's that's how, how I look at it. I look at things, I see things now, and I'm watching a person like, I'll say, oh, you see that? The camera loves them. It doesn't matter if they're this way or they're this side. It loves them. And I never thought the camera loved me. I thought I, I faced kind of just didn't photograph well. I had that in my mind. That was another reason I didn't really want to look at it. You know, I wish I had that ability to look. Then maybe now I can. Now I can. Yeah. But then, you know, now when I'm watching stuff, I, I, I uh, like, the, okay, the Star Trek just off the top. Yeah. I go, well, okay, I, I, I kind of believe what he's saying. All right. But boy, is he a bad actor when he walks across the set. My, I'm even bad acting walking. I, 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 can't, I, I must, that's, what are you doing? What are you doing to yourself? I'm, I'm complaining about the way I walked. Yeah. I must have done it normally. I, so it's best not to look. Well, I mean, just as an outside observer, like I said before, you were definitely one of the earliest actors I can think of that, you know, I always appreciate for the fact that every t- you always try to do something a little different with your characters, and it always drew me in. So just from someone out, out, outside, the camera loved you. In, in my opinion. Well, love you, man. <laughs> man. Oh, and then I remember thinking about that, doing something different. I did uh, Malcolm in the Middle with, uh, I think Jason Alexander was in this. I played a, a guy he owed money to. And we had the scene, and, I, and during it, again, it was just thinking, uh, if he'd mind, because they're playing chess, if when I had come up with, would you mind if I just put this pawn up your nose? <laughs> just, yeah, do it. And we did it, and they kept it in. So I was like, something, and it's just, you've got, you're better than you think. Your ideas, they, they get in, so don't be afraid to be different. I don't know. I, I, I read for, uh, I read for uh, Quentin Tarantino for uh, Reservoir Dogs. And, uh, Michael Madsen's part. Was he Mr. Pink? White? Blonde. He did this. Blonde, Mr. Stuck yeah. in the middle with you. Yeah. And that was the scene. And I had to cut this guy's ear off. I read four times with it. And the last time we read it was just Michael and I. I ended up getting to know his his uh, his sister, Virginia. And I, I had such a crush on her. I really wanted to date her because I knew her best friend. And she was trying to push us that way. Anyway, that was uh, that's, that's another after. But... <laughs> He ended up becoming famous, huge. Yeah. From there, he just continued. I was thinking, God, it was just that close. If they'd have given me that, but he ended up picking uh, Michael. But and then this is—I won't say a thing. There was this—he—he's—he's uh, he's a great guy and actually, he has a tendency to do this. And I think now I wouldn't have done that, but he's great and everything anyway. But I mean, it's just—I uh, think you're that close a lot of the time, and you just. You missed fame, but uh, not having a problem with it. I'm like, I was okay. I didn't want it to begin with, but 
I do want to get the role. I, mean, I had a good a good uh, track record of getting the job. You know, I, like, I say, holy shnikes, man, just auditioning for Reservoir Dogs is fucking iconic in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you remember what a young, unfamous, unknown Quentin Tarantino acted like during that, uh, during that audition? Do you remember? No. <laughs> well, I can't even remember him there. Yeah? I mean, I know him, and I know he's there, it's just, uh, it's one of those weird. It's like catching a glimpse of. I don't even know what I, Quentin Tarantino before he's famous. I don't know what else to equate that to. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than Quentin. You know what I mean? That's uh, wow. And Michael Madsen just to be in that room is like they'll make a documentary about that. Just being in that audition one day. That's how big that movie is. You know what I mean? Or the the <laughs> two or three prior ones. I'm like, God, I mean. I mean, I don't usually, I'm lucky enough to go right to the producers. Anything that had to do with my uh, resume that when I first started, it had a uh, American Conservatory Theater on there. It's like going into a doctor's interview and you have Harvard you know, Law, I mean, Harvard Medical. It was, it's huge. They look at, oh, well, we'll have to read him because yeah. he wouldn't have gotten into the school unless he could act. It didn't change anything when I looked at myself on the TV, though. You don't sit there and go, okay, I went to the good school. I went to the good school. I made it through all those. Okay, I have to be okay. Nah. But uh, it's just you get to keep going back. You know you're going to get it. Yeah. And you don't. But then I, that was one of the first. You start to realize that uh, my wife has said, she'll always ask her what used to. How'd it go? Nah, it's over. <laughs> and then I'm on. I moved on. I don't want to think about it because I know other actors that just sit by the phone. It just drives them mad. Yeah, and then they and then they want to know why they didn't get it, mm. but because of that first in, everybody after that would just send me right to the producers. So I missed one step that everybody else had to go through. I had a I had a great agent. They were like the guest star agent of Hollywood for TV. Mm. If you're a show that wanted to have somebody good, go to Gage. They'll have them. So I went. Well, that was a, another lucky that I got right in, and. um and that agent's mm-hmm. huge. Getting the agent's huge. Was, did you find it difficult in the beginning when you to getting the agent, or it just kind of everything fell in place, kind of fate wise? That was it. I hate to say that because people hate my guts <laughs> when I say that stuff. Yeah. Because of what usually you have to do. I mean, okay, with the with the, the two or three thousand people that auditioned all over the country for ACT. Yeah. Just like I said on, on Valentine's. I mean, uh, St. Patrick's Day. The coincidence that two weeks later on April Fools that I was the last one auditioning at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood and the guy who was a third year student was signing everybody in and he, he signed me and he goes, Well, they're gonna remember you. And I go, Why? Well, you're last. Chills again, thinking, Oh, I'm doomed. I'll never get this job. Yeah. He just killed it by telling me that. Yeah. But I got it. And then from there, what were we talking about? It was relating to what? Oh, we were talking about, um, <laughs> um, oh, I got yeah. an agent, agent. agent. difficulty oh. of getting an agent. Right. Okay. So I, you know, I, I did Shakespeare all over the country, et cetera, et cetera. And when I went to these places, I luckily get the ingenue male part in them, the one everybody wanted. I was yeah. getting them and I was going, this is just going to end. This kind of luck can't be, I can't. Time to go to Hollywood. I said, well, let's just give it a shot. And they told me, this is how you do it. You've got to send out pictures to everyone. 
agent. You got to send them out hundreds of these. You know, blah blah blah. The way it's done then, I have no idea how it's done now. Even auditions are done like I'd be having one now using my smartphone. It seems. Yeah. But um, I said no, no. I mean, I, I. So I did a showcase. He said, "You can do it this way." And they come and they look at you, the agents, etc. So I did a showcase, and I did a Shakespeare piece, and then a contemporary. Uh, Gage, Martin Gage, he came backstage. He says, come in, let's talk. And I I did the scene for the rest of the agents the next day. And I said, you're in. Let's go. And within a week, I think I got Hooper Management. It just ended up being very lucky. Because it does not happen that way. And I thank whoever did it. You can't just get your first date. And then that agent be your agent for 20 years. I never wanted uh, why I didn't go on to want get a manager that would uh, turn me into a star and I uh, I was too busy doing the job I just got yeah. and I didn't to think about complaining about what I'm not doing because I was getting work yeah. so I couldn't get upset exhausted they didn't. exhausting yeah I did I read for one series regular in a, 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 a one in 20 years that's sad because I should have kept reading because I might have got in one I went to network. I read, uh, the two of us were reading for this part. It was a, D, a, a radio show DJ. And, um, the other guy was, uh, can't remember his name, but he's, uh, Goldberg's father. The Goldbergs. Yeah. Uh, he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Exactly. His yeah. friend. He was the other one, the reading opposite. And at the end, they didn't give it to me. They gave it to him. And it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. But he was one of the writers. And they, even the other writers said to him, we were going to give it to him to begin with. But you, we, we weren't going to go to network. But you were so good. I was yeah. like, well, thank you. That we almost, he almost lost the job that he wrote. Yeah. You know, this thing together. Which I, it was probably bullshit. But um, <laughs> that, that was the only time I ever read for a series. I did get one small one, a Western which was a blast. And again, that was a, it was a Western, it called Lone Justice. Uh, I played a mentally challenged guy in a Western, in a Western. And, uh, the writer was Bill Whitliffe. And he wrote, uh, Black Stallion and he wrote Lonesome Dove, the TV adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> I went, I can't believe this. I'm, I'm getting to do a Western, which I've always wanted because of John Wayne. Even though I'm playing a mental retard. I don't mean that. That's a bad word. I'm told not to say that. Misunderstood. He's misunderstood. Yeah, misunderstood. I was slow. I was slow. I had a bad guy father. Uh, His name is going to, he's passed away now. He was in every Clint Eastwood. He was in every which way but Lewis. Or he's, oh, the Red Legs. He was, he was one of them in, um, Joe, what's, what's the first Clint Eastwood? It's a Western in the Civil War. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway. Uh, I'm so sad that I can't... Hogan's, he's not in, uh... Like, uh... Very, yeah, I know what you... I think I know what you're going for. He becomes a famous uh, ex-Confederate who's fighting these uh, blue coats that are chasing him all over the, the, the desert in Western time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a famous Western of his. One of the best ones other than Un- Unforgiven. Anyway, uh, this, this guy's a famous, was it he was a famous actor. He's 
played my father and it had, uh, I think I remember from it, but the biggest thing is that uh, we were in Willieville shooting this in the town of Willieville. Willie Nelson has a home attached to it in there. And I got to meet Willie Nelson and, and Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, oh, and really? the highwayman. I got to meet them at his house. They started the show said, you want to go meet uh, Willie? Yeah. So I go there and I'm, I'm sitting down at a table with Willie Nelson. I hear it's a band going on back. I hear the sound and I, and you can kind of see figures. And I thought, oh God, did I see Johnny Cash? And they're playing back there and he's sitting at a table. They're talking and he's got this pile of, uh, I don't know what it is, a paper, newspaper over a lump. And there's a chess board. And he goes, you play chess, son? And even if I had, you know, I was in chess club. So <laughs> I played chess. He says, uh, hesitate to ask you this. And he lifts the newspaper over and there's a pile of weed. <laughs> and he says, is this something that will offend you? And <laughs> no. Uh, so he starts, let's play. And he's throwing the... I got Willie Nelson rolling the joint, playing chess, and I'm hearing Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings singing. This, this is, this is chilling. This is, yeah. this is surreal. And as soon as he passed it, even if I had never smoked in my life, I was going to do it then. Yeah. But um, now that it's legal, it's kind of like going to Ralph's. But <laughs> Pretty um, much, yeah. that was phenomenal. And I, uh, he actually also taught me the first song I learned on the guitar. First song I ever learned, Willie Nelson taught me. And, and, and funny thing is, years later, I did a, a, was it Hercules I was doing at the time? I was in Auckland, and they were playing and staying at the same hotel. And I, I, I had my guitar with me, and I, I was sitting in the front lobby. I was just wait. I'm going to get these guys to sign it. Because I already had Eric Burton, Eric Clapton. I had Herbie Hancock. It was My guitar was being filled when I was starting to not be able to use it because I didn't want it to wipe off. Right. But I had it in that lobby. I wanted to catch them before they left. And this guy comes in and he sees me like this anxious person. Like, are you waiting for the highwaymen? Yeah. It's a, they're going to be leaving out the back if you want to. So I race back there and I'm standing at the door with this guitar. And they come through and Willie's the first one and he stops and I said, Mr. Nelson. And he goes, we play chess, huh? Which, how you doing? And, you know, they're all walking through, and he signs it, Johnny Cash and Waylon, and, and uh, who's the fourth? He's an actor. Uh, It'll come Christopherson. That's right. So they've all signed it. So the next thing you know, I've got to have that guitar put on a wall and, you know, never touched again. But I continue to try to get famous rock stars to Damn. sign my guitar. If that guitar <laughs> ever needs a home. If that ever hmm? needs a home. If that guitar ever needs a home. I'll take it oh, off. It needs, I thought if it ever leaves the home, never. <laughs> never. That is history. No. That is literally history. Oh, yeah. And that had something to do with something, but I think I went off the subject. <laughs> it started with Clint Eastwood for his first movie, I believe. Joey. Joe? Oh, Joey Wales? Outlaw Joey Wales? Joe, Joe Outlaw Wales. Josie Wales. Josie Wales, yeah. Classic. And in it. There was a guy, a bad guy with a bunch of men chasing him, and one of the bad guys was Red Legs, and he's been in so many films. Oh, classic. It's bugging me that I can't remember his name. 
Those Western actors always had the best faces of all time. Oh, yeah. You a Western fan? Big time. I could see you in a Sergio Leone movie. Oh, I want to. I, I wanted to. My, I, two things I couldn't get in. I was, I was a Vietnam veteran, but I couldn't get in China Beach or any war film. That was just the weirdest. I would never get it. And I'm saying, I was in a war. I yeah. was a sergeant twice. <laughs> yeah. um, something. you got to get me a Western. And I, I only got that one tiny series in, in Austin, Texas with the Willie Nelson. And that one was, uh, it was between us and Martha Quinn Medicine Woman. And CBS went with the nice, sweet show instead of the dark, black, angry Western. Yeah. They tend to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. You were part of the two two darkest, greatest TV shows of of the 90s is Millennium and the X-Files. Speaking of dark television shows, you know, on the peak, you know, the peak of those shows, what was that like? Uh... X Files. Yeah. That that one doesn't seem to have anything that I can. I have connected to it. I mean, they're not lovely people. Yeah. No, I, I, that was just. I mean, Millennium. I got a story, but X Files. They didn't really. Sometimes you just don't connect with anybody. Right. And you know, a lot of people told me, and that's probably my own fault, because when I was young. Like, back now, you would never say I was shy. But when I was young, I could not walk into a room. If there were a girl in it, forget it. I'm shaking, and I'll leave. But that went, I got away, uh, went away when I started getting on stage and realizing that I could be other people, and they love me, and I can talk. But, uh, and this had to do with what again? X-Files. <laughs> the X-Files and Millennium. Yeah, well, the people had told me, uh, I don't know which show it was, but they said, I said, God, nobody's talking to me. And they go, well, you're always, you're sitting there and you're just so quiet. We, and you're just like, you think you're getting into your part, so we don't want to bother you. And I'm sitting there just saying, no, I'm begging people to talk to me. I, and then you, finally you make friends because you're only on a show eight days, and that's the movie. So for eight days, you're, you're this bad person no one talks to until a couple of days before. And then you're, oh, he's a great guy. He's fun. And then you leave. And then, but then the nice thing about that is you're on the next show and it starts all over again. That's not the nice thing, but the nice thing is that sooner or later you start knowing crew. Oh, we did this. Da, 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 we did. A friend of mine, Richard Reilly, also has that same feeling, but he's prolific. Richard Reilly, look him up. Three hundred and something roles. We did that western oh, we, together. We know Richard. He was in uh, Office Space. Yes. 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 He's a good dude. You end up having. Friends that you don't even—I didn't even know uh, Kurtwood Smith, who I did a, a Billy Budd play in, in during the Shakespeare days, played Claggard, and I was a good uh, lieutenant when they before they hung Billy Budd, yeah. and he was in Star Trek VI. He's uh, the guy with the white hair and the Fu Manchu. He's president yeah. of something. Mm-hmm. And Leon Russell, I did a show with him. He's also one of the very first people that stand at the podium. He's the president of something, and I, I, God, it's like I know everybody in the show, and I didn't meet any of them in the show. We didn't see anybody in the show, but Sue and Grace Whitney, and who were in our scenes. Yeah, but um, and that again had to do with the what? Uh, Mill- you Alexander Grin here. If Exiles, but you said you had a Millennium story. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> 
uh, Millennium. I was living in Studio City at the time in a in a in a place on Farmdale is the name of the street, and it was a lady's house. She had a front house, and she had a tiny little bungalow, a beautiful little tiny bungalow in the back, uh, near by the wash. The river went by, and then there was just all this foliage in it. It was a beautiful place, and I was living there. And I got this Millennium job. Now oh, I get to go to Canada. So um, before I go, I tell the landlady, her name is Winnie. And I say, hey, Winnie, I'm going to go up to do this Millennium. And a guy named Lance Hendrickson's in it. I didn't think she'd know him. He goes, Lance, he, he lived in your, your apartment you're in 10, 15 years ago when he first started. He was, Lance Hendrickson, tell him when you, like, Winnie says hi. I go, All right, sure. So I go up there. And they take me for uh, one of the PAs, take me to the crew, uh, the cast. They're all shooting somewhere, and he's going to introduce us to the director and Lance. It's, I, I don't know what made me think it. Maybe that's what I do. My mind starts going, I go, how can I become friends with everybody right away? Or what can I do to, let's eliminate this eight days. Yeah. So I come up to him, and he says, oh, this is Jeremy Roberts, Lance Hendrickson. He's very friendly. He puts his hand out, and I shake it, and I, I, I pull it to me, and I, I start, uh, Winnie, Winnie, Farmdale, uh, Bungalow, Studio City, Winnie Carp. And he like, <laughs> how do you know that? Why, why are you saying that? I said, uh, I got to tell you, I, I have a bit of a, I, I guess you call it psychic. I don't know. And, and, and when I touch somebody or hang their hand or I put their hand on them, I get visions. And I said, that's what I got. I got Something, I don't know, does that mean anything to you? He said, that's where I used to live. <laughs> and I went, really? He said, oh, Winnie Cart was my landlady. And he like turns around to the crew. We, we got a psychic that's playing a serial killer. <laughs> and, you know, that, that didn't go too well at first, I thought. I mean, maybe everybody's going, don't touch me. You know, <laughs> I don't want him to bring up stuff that I got hidden. Well, he became really good friends, and then he says, here, do it to me. I forget the director's name, but he wanted me to shake his hand, and I shook it, and I I started, I see a, a new series. It's a, sh- a shoot-off of uh, Millennium starring me. Wow. <laughs> and you're like, what? All right, all right, I can't let this go any further, and I had to explain. I, I live in the same place you did, and the place just broke down, and I had a friend forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been Lance. He's a good dude. Very good uh, sense of humor, all of them. Yeah. Because I could have gone bad, I guess. Did you have any eye uh, on me, Chris Carter, the writer? The, the writer-creator of both X-Files and Millennium. Yes, that's how I think I got... The connection, yeah. Got one of them, one or the other, because of having done... Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a big deal in the 90s, too, because both of those shows, he was kind of like... Uh, John Hughes was in the 80s with movies a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Alex, you had a question and I cut you off. Sorry. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you're so, frozen. There you go. There he is. <laughs> S- uh, since we were talking about, you know, uh, Westerns and all of that, I-, I wanted to kind of uh, sideline to uh, uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., oh. <laughs> where you got to work with uh, Mr. Bruce Campbell. And uh, then, of course, you were also on Xena, Warrior Princess. Frozen. He's stroking out on us. That was a Western I forgot. I forgot about Briscoe. Man, that was fun. 
I thought it would go forever. I kept looking to see it in uh, in here. What am I looking for? Uh, streaming or somewhere. They don't. Why aren't they playing that? Or oh, where's Northern Exposure? Things like that. I, I want these. Briscoe's an interesting yeah. case. Even with the DVD of Briscoe, when that came out, it was like seven. It was super expensive. It was like hard to get because price wise. Alex, good to see you again, bud. Yes, sorry about that. My thing. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know where it cut out, but. Like I was saying, that you know, big uh, Briscoe County Junior fan, big Xena and Hercules fan, and and so so, how was the experience? You know, working with like Bruce Campbell and that entire creative team. With, oh, that was fabulous. They were they were. Uh, I, I guess I have twenty five years of. There was never any any ugly or anything weird or odd or every every show. Yeah. I mean, one time, once, maybe something odd. You just thought, wow, this person's a star. They shouldn't act this way. But anyway, yeah. other than that, every show. And Briscoe, because it was a Western, too. And you got to be dirty in Western times. And um, but who's the other, another one of the Swill brothers? They were the Swink brothers in the script. But that got changed to Swill. Mm. Oh, and that, the, my mom, the woman, that actress, she was incredible. I mean, I, I was, see, I knew their faces when they're that age. I watched the film she was in, and it was like, she's going to play my mom. Yeah. And uh, there was a little Weasley guy. He was in uh, City Slickers. I think he was the cook. Yeah, yeah. He, he was the other brother. And then Bruce, we became good friends because of uh, he did a lot of Hercules and Zenas. Yeah. And I got to see him there when we were there. And we saw him when he, he bought a – I was shooting in Oregon something. I did a, a rafting murder movie. I forget what it was. But I got to see him there. He has a place up there. I kept thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get into uh, what are the other few things he did after that? that spy Burn thing. Notice. He did Burn Notice. Burn Notice. And he directed mm-hmm. a few things. Yeah. We did a, a, a movie called Running Time. Yes. It was a, a movie where the camera goes on in the beginning and doesn't turn off until the end. It's one take for an hour. Oh, running Time. It was amazing. Him and I and uh, another... Another good lady. Forgot her name. Forget everybody's name. It happens. We did notice something which is odd, and I don't know if this is true, but it seems as though that everybody I ever worked with becomes famous. Not a bad deal. I think if they touch me, or I'm in an acting scene with them, they're going to make it. Everyone. I mean, look, Neil Flynn, I, I, boom, everybody. Everybody I've ever worked with except me. So that's okay. You're on the show. This hey, is- hey, Matt, I You're think we have to life. take a road trip to his house now. We got to take. Let me a road touch trip you. To Just to <laughs> pick you. I always like to ask people if they work on Hercules or Zena, if they had any, uh, could, any, any uh, stories about working with Sam Raimi or even Ted Raimi. I love Sam Raimi. He produ- He was the executive producer, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't come into it. Yeah, I, I saw his name a lot, and then I kept looking at it in other films he's done, and you, know, well, you could tell me the ones he did. But oh yeah, Evil Dead, Spider-Man movies, yeah, later, yeah, Iconic. Evil Dead, Evil Dead. I know people from that. My wife also, she's she's like uh, friends with all famous people. I keep telling her she should write a book because she's got yeah. stories from when she was five. You know, with your mother's Haji, you know. She dated every famous person, Johnny Carson, et cetera. So I keep trying to tell her, write these stories, man. There's a memoir about Hollywood. Come on the Boombastacast. 
just as good as writing a book. <laughs> yeah. You got Freddie back there. Yeah. Leave it. I'm a big horror fan. I, oh, yeah. I played his actual pinball machine in his house. We did a movie in, called Windfall. That's yes. how I got to know him more than, you know, Freddy's Nightmares. And he, he invited us to his house, and his wife was magnificent, because her, we all got along in, in Romania where we shot it. He brought us down there, and uh, he showed us his uh, memorabilia room. He's got a pinball machine that they made for him. It was just classic. And he's got the, you know, their little glove sitting in a case. Yeah. I'm sitting here having lunch with, with Freddie. <laughs> Robert, we met Robert. He's a good dude. He's he is good. really good at Windfall, too. That's such a fun movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and attached to that, I mean, I more than I remember anything in the movie, because I just was just bad guy father. Yeah. Uh, who gets killed in the end. You know, I, I always get killed. My mother always wondered about that. Why are you always killed? But um, what was I going to say about that? With oh, Robert. I forgot. Right out. The, uh, Robert's story, I think, uh, how colorful mm-hmm. he was. In, in oh, it was in Romania. Yes. Transylvania. Vlad, the impaler, his castle, the town. You got to look. This is... This is the town. I had an artist there when I was there. Oh, paint very this. Cool. Nice. It's like in the little town, how it was way back when Vlad. And go to the castle, the cast, they set up a chance for us to go and see the castle. <clears throat> and there's this one place where we're getting up the stairs, and I'm kind of falling behind a little bit by everybody. And I go into this, we go into this one room, and I haven't quite come into it. And as I come into the room, they're all standing looking at this huge, looks like a 10, 15 foot painting yeah. of somebody. And it's like an uncle or of Vlad, a, a relative. And they're all just transfixed. And then they all like turn around and give me this look. They're like, do you see it? And this, he could have been my brother. <laughs> and they just thought, you're, you, are you sure you don't have a little something? You know, <laughs> oh, that was. I looked at. I could not believe. I, I, I wish I had the picture out. It's, it's me, dark beard and everything. You want Maybe I have a back. have some black. I'd say I want my castle back. Damn, <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> I'll put all your heads on posts. Exactly. Keep it friendly. <laughs> Keep it friendly for everybody involved. <laughs> you, you you did a two a two episode stint on one of my favorite episodes. Roseanne. Roseanne. Um, I remember this episode. This, I believe this is the episode where Jackie's boyfriend, Fisher, gets rough with her. And um, Dan beats him up. Dan beats him up and has to go to jail for a little bit. You know what I mean? And I have to take him, yeah. And you got to take him. The and then Dan's was singing the jail, I think. That was... you know, he's getting ready for the Blues Brothers 2000. I think yeah. <laughs> he wanted to get, get, get prepped. Any cool you know, from that one, well, not, so not a very good one. That was uh, that was one of the people that didn't live up to it. Yeah, live up to her fame and and her. You think that they would be kind and generous and yeah. giving and sweet and not full of themselves. So, but yeah, we had the the cast reading around the table. We're all sitting there, and I'm a couple from her. And uh, as soon as I 
I think she kind of looks and like gives this, who's that? And the director, he's playing the policeman. Oh, she kind of looks her down and then they go on. And I'm like, why did you do that? Right. Who are you? Like I'm, like I'm going to do something vile. Why am I sitting here? Because I'm in the, what is it? I'm in the script. You, yeah. She was not very sweet, but that was just, it was small. It ended and, you know, I didn't really have anything to do with her after that. But, so. I think, I think the issue with Roseanne was she let too much of her personal life into the show. I know that like her husband started to be producers and such, which is never, and they're not really film people or TV people. They're just their husband. So like, I think that that created a lot of weird weather, you know what I mean? To keep everybody. That's one of those shows. I equate that to almost, it's like you get like the Cosby show. I know nowadays Cosby is known for uh, not being Heathcliff Huxtable, but um, you know, that show when it was on was like such a positive show. And like, it was to go back to the, to, to, to like a fatherless thing. I think that that show was big for that generation. Cause it showed people how to be a father in a way, you know what I mean? And when we got to Roseanne, Roseanne's definitely not the Huxtable family by any means. It was, but it was more of like a weird middle America, white trashy, for lack of a better word, but like more, yeah, bad word for that, but more of like a poor class, lower class, like the poor struggling. And I think that, but it was, it was still as effective, you know, because it got very emotional. There was very emotional, you know, moments in that show. I, I, I don't know if you ever watched the show, Jeremy, but like the way they ended in the last season, there was like this weird twist where like you find out that Dan's character actually died like the season before and that everything was just something she created in her head to get through the fact that he died. Like it was this weird psychological dramatic arc it took. And I always appreciated that ending because I've never seen anything like that before. Is that like last year? No, oh no, that was that arc was her, you know, that was a first show. Arc. <laughs> they killed her with uh, that was from the from the nineties version. They finished it up, and then they brought him back. That's why it didn't really make sense, is because when they did the new show, uh, John was in it, Dan was in it, but uh, and they don't really touch base on the fact that he's supposedly dead. But then they killed her off with opioid addiction. Now I got to watch because I watch them all in rerun. Yeah. I've seen them all, but I, and I remember them using drugs is why she died right that was yeah in the newer one yeah i don't remember him ever dying yeah in the um in the original show i remember he got her he he built a a a writing room for her because she always wanted to write and then it goes into a part where he had a heart attack right before darlene's wedding and he came back uh then they won the lottery and then they had like a season yeah, they had a season of them. Uh, rest in peace, Jim Varney. He came in. That was cool. And Divine. Divine was supposed to be her uncle, but died like the day before shooting, which is weird. Divine wow. from John Waters, another midnight. Oh, movie. yeah. Yeah. And um, so at the end of the last season it's it, uh, of them being rich, she goes, it's her in the writing room, and she says, you know, this whole, oh. last, season, the whole last season was me writing what I would wish would have happened. But what really happened is Dan really died a year ago. And it was like, so dramatic. Dude, I like it was emotional. It was like crazy. Yeah. I had for, I haven't ever seen that, but I, I'd forgotten completely. Yeah. I find myself when I'm watching a lot of the sitcoms now, finding fault. I never found before. Like I, I thought it was funny before her being who she is doing her stand up stuff. 
But then it, you end up finding she's mean. Yeah. She's nasty. She's bad to her husband. She's a snot to everyone. And I went, yeah, why is yeah. she acting? And I start doing that with a lot of them. Even my favorite Seinfeld, I go, why is he your friend? That guy across the way. He's a mooch. He's yeah. a loser. And all of a sudden, Kramer, this character I love, I don't like, you want, I would, they wouldn't write. Nobody in reality would have a friend like that. Yeah. Just let him eat whenever you want and then blame you or you. Yeah. I actually, it's funny thing about that is that I had an audition for something. When, uh, oh no, we were doing a, uh, one of these, I was doing acting class and I had a scene with a, a woman. Um, and we went to her house and we're trying to uh, rehearse and there's this guy just yelling or doing, and he comes running through her husband and it's uh, Michael Richards. Yeah. Is her husband, and he's got an audition for this thing called Seinfeld, and he's telling, he's telling me about it, and he's sorry, he's, am I too loud? And his hair's normal, he doesn't have that look. Yeah. But, uh, I always thought that was funny, because then, you know, months later, I went, hey! He got it! Yeah. My name had nothing to do. Michael's fallen from grace a little bit, but it's weird, you know, the, th- it, 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 the thing with comedians... I think they start to live the gimmick after a while. They do it so long that these characters, like with Roseanne, that was kind of her gimmick to be that loudmouth, obnoxious person. Like Dice, like Andrew Dice Clay, where like they just live this gimmick so heavy that they eventually just become it because it's easier than switching it on and off. You know what I mean? Hmm. Now, you brought up Seinfeld with, you know, a little bit there. Do you want to talk a little bit about that episode of Seinfeld? Classic episode. Um. The chauffeur in the limo. I remember having a, a girl, not a girlfriend, a friend who was a girl. And uh, I guess we were talking, Jerry and I, or somehow it was about dating, da 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 and I, I don't know why. Man, this is maybe my thing. I just butt in. Um, I said, well, I have a, a friend who's not dating anybody. If you want to, she's sweet, beautiful, very uh, nice. And uh, I set him up with, <laughs> with her. This is before he got married. Yeah. And uh, that went well, sort of. Yeah, it, it was nice. But other than that, I was just that guy in the rearview mirror. That's all you saw is my eyes. And that, every line I gave was in there, except when I picked him up. The, That's but again, chauffeuring racists. That was my thing. <laughs> They're pretending to be doctors, right? I think, or they are, um, no, the, yeah, you're right. The race, they were like, uh, uh, the hate group. <laughs> One of the biggest shows of all time. You know what I mean? Oh. Show. And, and the guy didn't, didn't the guy in the limo with me, didn't he become very famous? Six feet under? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. As well, right? I can't I remember if that was him. Maybe not. Maybe, anyway, it's just, Fuck. One more person I've touched. And gave him success. <laughs> royalty che- Everybody send royalty checks, too. <laughs> you know you're there only because of me. <laughs> Alex, they, I they say you're better when you play tennis with somebody who's better than you, Bill, so... I was going to comment on it earlier when you're talking about, like, um, when you come up and you work with these great actors, you know, it's a confidence thing, you know, an actor gains confidence through working with good actors that give them that confidence, you know what I mean, in a way. Maybe. You know? I remember, uh, I've told this all the time, I, I did a, a 
Murder, She Wrote. Yes, Angela. And in it, I have a scene where I've got to sum it up in the end, talking to each of these other actors while I have a videotape and I'm explaining something on the tape to each of them have a line. And these were Angela Lansbury. There was Gene Barry, Bat Masterson. There was, these were stars. It was one of those episodes where all of us, they always put stars on it. But this is one where they had a lot of them. And I was just, my God, I've got to talk to every one of these people that have had six series each, 50 years of career. Man, I'm going to stink. How am I going to get up to that level? And it's time seven. And the thing about it is they have a camera over me and they're shooting each of their scenes, their lines, as we go around. And as they go finish, they let them go because it was nine at night. And you got to let these stars bear out first, you know, to yeah. get them home. And they did them all. And they all left. And then they put place in them. They put the continuity girl. She read a line for me to do my, my lines. So I didn't really have a problem doing scenes with the stars because they were gone. <laughs> they left me to do it with the makeup person who's just reading. And I'm, oh, I hope I didn't stink. Mm. But that was amazing. And the whole thing about this Western, I want to get it before I forget, is I love Westerns. But since I've gotten to be more of a less meat, because it helps you live longer, you know, I grew up with bacon and eggs, hash browns, grits every day. So Alabama, so my wife got me into more good eating, and it means less meat. And then all of a sudden, I am, I'm saving animals. I'm fostering animals. We have five cats, dogs, animals, a horse. We did horses for a while. And, and, and next thing you know, I'm watching these Westerns I loved before, and I'm, I can't look at the cattle being falling over or horses hitting their necks. And, and I, I'm like, you're ruined right. my whole Western thing. I can't watch John Wayne really, but I, I got to turn away because I'm going to feel bad for the animals. You know, they're killing Indians left and right. I, I, you know, I feel guilty about that, but you know, they're not real. And these animals, it just killed my whole tough guy Western thing. Well, that's, yeah. Poor I mean, horses. Get off those horses. If you go far back enough, I heard rumor, I don't know if it's true, but didn't they actually like kill horses if they needed them to like be dead or lay down immediately? Then they just like shoot them? Like yeah. crazy, like craziness. That was a long time ago before. Oh, yeah. It was about, you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I know you had a question or two about the Great Mask film. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things uh, I, I was wondering is uh, now you played the Bounder and the Mask, and you got uh, a work uh, with you know, the great Jim Carrey. Now, you got to work with him as Stanley Ipkiss and then as the Mask. Now, I know this was early on in his career, and we've all seen and heard about how, you know, he really loves to get into the characters. I mean, how was that working with him? Was it like a different interaction when he was the two different characters, or...? Or was it just? Well, when he was uh, when he was the mask, he was the mask, and uh, nothing seemed to come out of him that wasn't that was Jim Carrey in a sense. Yeah. It just was the mask. And then when he wasn't in it, then he became Jim Carrey. He became he was like uh, uh, Robin Williams. You knew that he'd have to be funny all the time. And how do you become funny? Always is it had to be taxing on this guy, but yeah. it seemed to come out naturally as ever. I mean, 
I tell this story all the time. It's really quick and funny. I mean, he's coming down the stairs in a very famous hotel, and, and it wasn't the one we were shooting. It was another one at this long staircase, and people are resting around it, sitting in a break, and he's coming down, and all of a sudden, two steps at the top, he just starts into an aria. Uh, I don't know the one, but it's uh, like, Donne fa mobile, and then et cetera, Italian. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's doing it, and then he one quick break and then all of a sudden some guy on the right stairs starts singing the same thing and it, you know it's me I, I start giving it back a little another uh, piece of uh, operatic Nessun Dorma and then he, he he like he comes over and he starts doing another one and we're all of a sudden the places and you know your friends yeah. we did the same it was like uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Jump Street up in Canada yeah my wife is saying, why didn't you stay friends? Meaning, he gave me his phone number. He says, let's get together when we get down to L.A. Da, da, da. I'm doing this, uh, coming up in a year, a movie about pirates and something. Ah, you know, whatever. He, it was, I, I thought, wow. And I'm not that type to yeah. sidle up to anybody. And, you know, if you're going to, it'll be up to you. I never called. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't want him to think, oh, you only wanted to be in a movie. And then another friend of mine gets in it. He's that little tiny, uh, oh, God, what's his name? I say friend. I forgot to remember your name. Anyway, one of those there's two really wimpy, skinny guys who's on the crew, and then there's very tiny guy. Oh, he's the guy in Seinfeld who, who had, won't let Jason park. They both try to park at the same place. He backs yes. in. And he's, he's also he's a friend a, of him. He's in a Tales he from the Crypt episode with with Katie Seagal. He's got that. He's got that gray. Because he can, does he have that kind of squirrely look to him a little bit? And he always seems a little. And yeah, Jerry yeah, yeah. said something. He was he, something Kramer told him once. He said, "This guy thinks you're a phony." And Jerry accidentally knocks him into a trunk on one other episode. Anyway, he ends up being. I end up getting into that. I gave yeah. him crap from then on. He's my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that as well because uh, there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called Andy and Jim. And it was about Jim Carrey getting into the character of Andy Kaufman for Man on the Moon, I think it was. And yeah, uh, um, yeah certain people, you know, we've all worked on set, so it's like you can you can appreciate the artistic difficulties, but then as like crew, you can like not appreciate the artistic difficulties that like an actor will bring in. So I, yeah, we were kind of curious about. The, if there was a yin and a yang, you know, you already answered it, but I think that that's kind of what we were going with because. Uh, yeah, that, that that mask character is so over the top, and the and, and the, the flip to it's just you know, not so. Wasn't much. that the beginning? Wasn't that show the first one of that kind of yeah. films? Those uh, fantastic mask kind of films thing. Yeah, Marvel, you know, et cetera. Yeah, no, I think it was like one of the uh, earliest times where they tried. I know that. A lot of the things that they did on that was kind of revolutionary at the time because they really hadn't done anything making a a, a pretty much a live action cartoon with a live human being. So yeah. yeah, I think that was like the first time they really started doing something like that. Who framed Roger Rabbit? I think was right right before it. But I yeah, think it was I, mean, I mean, I mean, not taking anything from Roger Rabbit, but the difference is that you know. This was, you know, actually instead of putting in the animation themselves and doing that, you're then doing the CGI with a human uh, host off of that. Right. Much. 
Yeah. That was the first huge residual that I got I mentioned earlier. That it was uh only to mention it because it was so big, thirty thirty grand it was. It was just I choked. It was I could not believe that. Got the envelope and then I saw the check and I'm like, oh, I got it. It's yeah, so yeah. much money. But then I looked down and it was it was close to fourteen thousand net and I, I went, What what is this tax? Or what is this what are they talking? How do you take out fifty yeah. percent? And I literally sat down and I wrote Clinton a letter. <laughs> I wrote him a letter saying, I don't remember seeing you in the mask at all, so I don't really see why you get fifty percent. Show me any part of your help in this. Yeah. You're not doing anything with the money. I I never mailed it because you know I felt I'd be imprisoned or something. You would have been killed off. That's how they do it. Yeah, I didn't want to mention any changes because I might get fired. But uh, that check should have been mine. I agree. Uh, did you get a chance to meet the late Richard Jenny? By any chance on that set? He played. He was, um, I think, Jim Carrey's best friend in the film. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he was the next door neighbor in our trailer. He had a constant. Uh, girlfriends coming through there. It seemed like every extra was visiting his trailer. <laughs> really? I saw he was quite lucky with the, with the ladies. Comedian. And he was an impressionist. I, I, Comedian, yeah. I loved him. He was always doing stuff. Because, you know, I, I didn't at the time didn't know I was going to get to meet Frank. But, you know, I loved that stuff myself. He was good. He did, he did a good Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that the the lady friend stopped for Richard. It, it got pretty dark. I, the ending got really dark for Richard, if I remember correctly. Unfortunately, rest in peace. Yeah, what's this thing now about Army Hammer? Is he like a cannibal? What is it? I've heard that. Yeah, celebrities insane now. Yeah. Well, I I think they've always been insane. <laughs> just just um, more coming to, to the front. Uh, I think it's more uh, it's more in the public eye now with like cell phones and. You can record anyone at a whim now, so I, th- I think everyone, I think everyone's been crazy. Just now, everyone knows it. Rick, Richard Jenny comes from a time where you only hurt yourself; you don't hurt people around you. <laughs> but uh, now it's uh, like anything happens; it's just, uh, oh my God! There's a policeman! There's a gun going! And all of a sudden, it's uh, camera. Yeah. Like everybody all around, camera. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It would take me too long to find the button to push to record it. It would be the violence would be done. Uh, <laughs> keeps them honorable. I had a flip phone till a year ago, so you know that's, this whole electronic world is new to me. Yeah. And my friend, a uh, uh, buddy, he works on Bosch. You ever see Bosch? Yeah, Bosch, yeah, yeah. He's a uh, Creighton Barrel. He's one of the two cops, very tall. When he was in Cliffhanger, uh, Greg. I ha- I've got to be talking to him now because uh, I don't, I'm, this whole business is new. You know, you do auditions from your home. Mm. I mean, how do you get an agent now? I mean, is it the same way it used to be? I mean, now I'm forced to have to find to get an agent, and it's, I'm 67. When I came back from Alabama, I went back uh, 12 years ago to be with my mother and dad. They were getting old, and eventually she passed away, my mom. But uh, it was the greatest five years of my life with there. But when I came back... Uh, I called the agency, and it turned out Martin Gage had sold it. He got old. He was 80s. He said at the time he sold it, sold it to him. And I called them and said, well, unless you dump me, I'm ready to go back to work, wherever they work. He said, oh, we're not, we don't need any old people right now. Some young guy on the phone, I went, I'm, I'm just an old guy to you now. 
All right. Thanks. I mean, the pandemic and all happened, and I haven't gone back yet. But I've been doing these uh, like signings whenever they can have on a Zoom or a podcast to try to get back in. And I never did this to begin with because of the shyness. I did. Yeah. But now I have so much garbage I can say. <laughs> a lifetime. A lifetime. I should have taken a whole lot more pictures of what my wife says, but it was just too, too shy to get in the face of every one of them. But, uh, like I said, I would get pictures. The first picture was Johnny, John Ritter. Yeah. John Ritter. And, uh, I just kept getting them. And, um, I know. John, John Ritter and Jim Carrey are, you can, they're a lot alike with that physical comedy, you know what I mean? And at the peak of Ritter's career, he probably was at that height that Carrey got to, you know what I mean? I assume. Yeah. Um, like to Al Franken when he did Stuart Saves His Family Height. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> I love that film. I think that's one of the greatest films that SNL ever released. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those. that, that The Al Franken character of Stuart Smalley uh, is, is definitely out of this world, for sure. I love it. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't remember because I, I never saw it. Never saw it? Great. I could never. I'm going to start seeing... My wife and I were going to start putting together, trying to Amazon, just buy everything I'm in, just so that my daughter can have. For sure. She cares. Yeah, your dad was a, my dad was an actor. Oh, what in? you got a whole library. Exactly. But, um, yeah, that I never saw it. But isn't Michael Madsen in that with me? I believe he is in that. I know that it directed by the, the great Harold Ramis. Michael Madsen was in it. Because, you know, he's he seen he see the spark in that Reservoir Dogs audition. And he said, I'm coming on for, I'm coming on for the ride. Here I come. Yeah, yeah. Ramus saw us both together. He said, I'll see who yeah. should have got it. Late great he Harold Ramus. Yeah, rest in peace. I know. Harold, I couldn't believe it. I got all best craving, Harold. I know. Columbus, Hughes. It's just. Classic. Yeah. Very lucky. You happen to have any 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 memories from the set or anything inside look in the Ramus Ramusville? <laughs> Got to be one of the greatest comedic directors of, of of the last you know what I mean thirty years for sure. No, it was again one of those jobs. Just a job. Get the job. Yeah. Get the job. Get out. Go away. Yeah. And, uh, they don't really warm up to actors a lot right. of the time. I mean, they've got a job, and I bet, it, but not film, but I know TV directors are under a huge pressure financially, so they can't have you taking five takes in a TV show. That was one thing I learned. Show up on time, know your lines. It was a Spencer Tracy thing, and and get it in a take. Yeah. Or get it in two if you can't. You, you're not thinking that while you're doing it, but you do sort of uh, want to make sure you get it right right away. Because yeah. you don't want to see a director like, <laughs> do things like that, you know, while you're yeah. on. <laughs> Great. Good for you. Let's go on. And they have that happiness that everybody in the big money is going to be happy. He's getting it done on time. He's not behind. Uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Alex, did you have a pretender question? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, I mean, a bunch of uh, the TV shows I always watched uh, during that time. Uh, the Pretender was one of my all-time favorites. And you had, uh, 
you had two episodes uh, playing the same character. And uh, definitely one of, uh, I would say, one of your more villainous roles that you played. Was that... Uh, was I in a... What, the thing that ships pull boxes in a, in a net? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah, the, uh, you were captured in a net. There was... The first one was you had the uh, two lead characters... And uh, they end up a tiny, uh, getting you in the net and leaving you for a hurricane. Thought that the hurricane was going to take care of you or something like that. Because I think, if I remember correctly, that you left two kids in a hurricane. And that's why the pretender was after you, Jared. And then I think later on, you end up com- uh, coming back... Um, going after, I think you were ahead of like a white supremacist group in the second one. I have no memory again of one of those I didn't see, except I end up, now was I in Pretender on a cross? You were on the cross for the second episode. In the first episode, you were in the net. Okay, because I remember when that one finally wrapped. It was the last thing they were doing before they said wrap was me on that, you know, cross and they finished you said cut and they said, that's it that's a wrap and then everybody started leaving <laughs> I mean they would have started to break the set down or anything, whatever they were going to do but they were the chop but they all like kind of like like it's that's a wrap <laughs> and they all left and I'm hanging on this thing and I'm like you know <laughs> it's empty out here and I'm like Oh, they gotta be kidding! Yeah, guys. <laughs> and after I've yelled a couple of times, and they all come off my, I was just messing Tell us that story about Millennium. We're gonna. <laughs> yeah. So they, that was funny. I heard a story. I forget which actress it was recently. An, an unfunny story of back in, back in the day, where there was an actress hanging upside down, and she like refused to go out with the director, so they left her there <laughs> like lunch. They're like, and so when they came back after an hour, she was like almost dead. Like, oh no, madness! No. Oh yeah, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Wow. They play that gag off in movies a lot too, where you're watching a movie about a movie, and there's always a scene of them like leaving somebody tied down or something <laughs> like that while they should be doing the deal. <laughs> now, the Thirteenth Floor, uh, very fun ahead of its time movie. You know, do you, do you have any memories from the making of that? Floor. The simulation only, movie, yeah. Only from uh, meeting uh, Gretchen Maul, because she was just one of those faces you just, I can't talk when I'm looking at you. It's just, you're so perfect everywhere. Yeah. And then there was uh, uh, that older actor, and again, it's a name thing. Armin? Armin. Armin, Armin Mueller Stahl. That's it. Yeah. That was another kind of chilly kind of hello, boom, chills. <laughs> yeah, you, he's he's like like huge, dude. Yeah. But uh, no, I I, I, I I wish there was something attached other than. I, I know Vinny D'Onofrio's in there too. Alex, Alex over here is a big fan of Vincent D'Onofrio. 
I could take them or leave them, depending on the day. Vincent D'Onofrio was a, a friend of mine who introduced me to Virginia. Yeah. He was a friend of hers, and she always brought him up and me together, thinking that we were interchangeable. Yeah. And I didn't see it, but I remember him in, in quite a few films. Oh, isn't he uh, got his own? He's a cop. He's criminal minds. What is he? Uh, yeah, he's got side. Dangerous SUV. Like yeah, SUV. Yeah, uh, criminal intent. Uh, SV, S, uh, uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent was the show he was on. Yeah. I think he left that maybe, I don't know, I think it's been like maybe five, four years now. Uh, I know that uh, he was in like the Daredevil mo- uh, TV series as, as the Kingpin. Yeah. Uh, that's the last thing I really, I know he's still doing other stuff, but that's uh, the last like TV show that he, he did. Yeah, after we met, he became famous. Him and uh, him and Val Kilmer did a really a cool a underrated film called The Sea Sultan together. I think it was the late two thousands, two thousand tens era. Um, that was a fun film. I like D'Onofrio. He's your buddy. I can't give him a hard time. He was great in Full Metal Jacket. Woo! And The Cell, fantastic, fantastic. Metal Jacket. I thought I should have been in that one too, but. That didn't happen. Did, uh, wait, I, I just recently watched the Val Kilmer documentary and he sent out, uh, he made it put together an audition tape for Full Metal Jacket. Did you ever get into that deal? I know you're a little shy around the camera and stuff, but you know where you weren't, I know you said there were certain directors that or types of films that you wanted to work on. You ever really kind of pursue in that aspect no. of it? Yeah, I don't, I, I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me to the, the thought pattern around. I mean, uh, the, the 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 soup Nazi buddy Larry Thomas. He's he's good at it. He knows how to push himself into somebody so that they can see that he should have his own series and be a star. But uh, I, I can't. I, I don't know. I guess it doesn't come up. I can't. Yeah, I hear you. I would like to be able to. My mother seems to what used to when before she passed. She, she said, why don't you call Jeff that Southern accent? She said, why don't you call that Spielberg? You know, get him. He could use someone as good as you. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just get on the phone. <laughs> my grandmother tells me the same thing about my, fil- my film career. Why don't I just call Spielberg up? I said, well, maybe tomorrow, Grandma. We'll yeah. <laughs> so the first time I called her, I said, did you see when I did something? Of course, it was evil. Yeah. And she said, yeah, you were good. I just... You know, I, I question how I raised you. I mean, because you couldn't have done that that well if you didn't have a little of it in you. And I, oh, you know, you know, it's not real. Just like your wrestling mom. Oh, it's freak out. Wrestling is real. Shut up. It's still but, real to me. Yeah, I got to meet uh, the big John Stud. I mean, nothing to you guys, but he's oh, I love big John, famous yeah. wrestler. Yeah, well, he was in Marrying Men, and she just didn't care. Ali Baldwin. Kim Basinger, it doesn't matter to me. You've got, you're swimming with Big John's. <laughs> he I told me, Mom, that it's not real. He faked everything. Uh-oh. Shut up. Stop talking. Some of the best yeah. YouTube clips ever are the, the wrestling fans crying when people tell them that it's not real. And they go, it's real to me. <laughs> I love sorry. those videos. And I love wrestling. Not so much nowadays, but back in my youth, the 80s and 90s, I was all about that. Uh, because then you sort of believed it. I don't know why you sort of believed it. Yeah. Maybe I was young. 
they were brewed, I think, because there was less theatrics to it. When you see them on the microphone and getting their personality, you're, you're not as afraid of them anymore. But if, you, if they're just like The Undertaker lumbering through a crowd, not, you know, not smiling, and then they hammer somebody in the ring and then walk out, you kind of get the feel like they'd maybe do that to you. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you see them now, it's like, oh, he's running over against the ropes. And then he jumps against him, and then he flips and ends up on top of his head on top of Come on. Yeah. You don't think that was planned? Right. I can't explain it to people. But. I remember they killed Macho Man Randy Savage at one point. Macho Man. Brought him back a day later. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dream. Yeah, Jake, exactly. Jake the snake's Snake bit him, and he supposedly died. Then he came back on, like, Monday Night Raw. Good old days of wrestling. Uh, Rest in peace, Macho Man. Yeah. One of the best. Everybody's going. It's unfortunate, but we still we're spiritual and we have hope that where everybody's going is a better place than here. It's the important part. It'd yeah. be nice. I, sometimes you think it's just a uh, how kind of an ego do you have? Do you think that you can't die? Right. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say there's someplace else. Yeah. I'd like to know the reason for life. Why? Why did we? Does he have a plan? If there's a he. Is that, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. It doesn't feel like there's a plan, but there there could be, you know. It's a lengthy one. I, I, I kind of jumped on the idea of, uh, like, is it not Scientology? It's science and religion together. Imagine, where I yeah. believe that it takes, it took him millions of years, and that's the seven days you're talking about. He yeah. didn't just do it overnight, and he made mistakes. Okay, dinosaurs were a mistake, and it didn't work. So all of a sudden they're gone, and now let's try again. Okay, oh, we've got this thing called humans. Huh? It's not great either, but it's better than before. And then that's how long it took. And that's what's happening. And if you go over the Bible, it says, you touch this apple, and I, I'm, we're done. I'm not going to, I won't step in anymore. And he did, and then he hasn't. So there's no, there's no miracles. It's all random. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've heard it here. <laughs> Hopefully. But it is. Slightly religious. It slightly keeps it together. Yeah. That you can have evolution and that together. But they don't want that. Hopefully we won't be, people won't be talking about humanity as a mistake in the future. That would be unfortunate. Some people already do, but hopefully they don't have the proof of it with us not being here anymore. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, Alexander, do you have any more questions? I know we kept Jeremy for a long while. No, I mean, I, I just, I've been enjoying this entire conversation. Um, everything that I, w- I wanted to hit, we talked about. And uh, I'm sure that if, if we kept in, uh, di- uh, digging, we'd be here for another, like, uh, three or four hours. Because Probably. It's true. You, you got some great stories and great experiences. And, and it's oh, I was, on, uh, I was on the set of uh, The Mexican with, uh, yes, with Brad, with Pitt. Oh yeah, and, uh, Gore, directed by Gore Verbinski, my boy again, and 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 he guaranteed me that he had a place for me. Gore, what happened? Did you forget <laughs> me? It, uh, I maybe think... I didn't say you fucked up the right way. I don't know. No, I shouldn't be saying that. It's gotta get a. What do you blank that out? Uh, I think Gore went back to uh, he did the last thing he did was more indie. It was that cure for wellness like horror thriller, which I think was like super by Hollywood standards, super indie, low budget. Well, that yeah, I saw that. 
Yeah, it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. That was uh, Leonardo. That no, that that was a Shutter Island. You're thinking it's a Shutter long. Island. It's very similar, though. It is very similar. The the one he did, I don't think had any name actors in it. Oh, okay. He I did think that I actually because I read Cure for Wellness, and then when it came out, I wanted to see it. So I'm not shocked that I can't remember. I when yeah when I was hyped for it myself, you know what I mean. He did. He also did that. Um, Johnny Depp vehicle, the Lone Ranger, which didn't quite work out for him. So that's the crazy thing about Hollywood films is like you get this money and if you lose the money, unless you unless you're well connected, if you lose that money, you really gotta like you gotta fucking hustle to get back to that place, you know. What yeah. I mean? uh, oh, well, I forgot. The Mexican was just a, a little titty that I was sitting there with him in, in a break and, and I'm yeah. sitting next to Brad Beard was again just trying to be normal talk right and then you know, like talking about relationships or a girlfriend he just seems antsy and weird and he goes i just gotta tell someone hold on Wait, he runs to his trailer comes back and he reaches his pocket and he goes i'm asking her to marry me tonight oh. i just gotta tell someone i've been keeping this and he's gonna ask jennifer to marry and i thought oh my god that's great he says, please don't tell me. Oh, I said, oh, no, I'm reaching in my pocket. I pull out a phone and I, I start <laughs> dialing like uh, someone from the Daily News or something. It was an entertainment tonight. I, it wasn't really. It's was faking it. I says, I got Brad Pitt here right now. He's just telling me. He grabbed the phone. I'm like, just fucking with There's nobody on there. <laughs> He's like, I, well, I, I ought to. Brad Pitt. No, again, funny guy. He was so oh, yeah. easy to get along with. And my wife was, uh, she was in love with Angelina Jolie, so I couldn't, you know. Of course, that didn't happen then, yet. That was coming. That was Angelina Jolie's prime. That was Hacker's Era. A little little after Hacker's Era, which was glorious. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did, uh, I had another little scene with Kim Basinger. That was one of those gushy, this was a male coming on to a female in the scene and I had to come on to the most beautiful woman in the world and it's just you could see the pits <laughs> I was had to do it sleazy too I, I wanted her to like me <laughs> she's royalty too John Voight I believe is her father if I remember correctly right. I was surprised to hear that when I found that out well that's Angelina Jolie yeah yeah Angelina Jolie oh, I was, oh Kim Basinger was the oh, my person I was yeah it was in uh, Marrying Man but she was one of those that had that face. Just, I can't speak. You're just, the camera beyond loves you. Yeah. Well, you're genetically perfect. That's true. I was very surprised recently to find out that Jennifer Jason Lee is the daughter of Vic Moreau. Uh, Vic Moreau? Vic Moreau, yeah, who, who passed away during the Twilight Zone movie. With that Isn't he a combat? Yeah, he from combat, yeah, he was in combat. <laughs> Then he kind of felt he had a little fall, and then he came, came back. The whole story of the Twilight Zone is, like, super tragic because, like, he was coming back, and, like, he got this movie, and it was a big stunt, and he even called his agent and was like, I don't want to do this stunt. And the agent was like, you're going to start turning down movies now? And uh, he was like, you're right. And he went out and did it and died. Him and two kids died. Crazy story. Uh, I forgot about that. Hollywood wants you to forget about that one. That's one of those things. Under the rug. We keep that under the rug, under the surface. Uh, Crazy. Crazy deal. You know? It's it's crazy. Alex, it's very crazy stuff out there. 
I know that you got to work on the show Monk. Yeah. And I know Alexander Hawk over here, gigantic Monk fan. Oh, was it Tony Shiobi? Shaloub. Tony Shaloub. Guitarist from Black Sabbath, I think. My bad. Yeah. And you were also on an episode of Wings, I think, right? I think two episodes. Two Wings, episodes. yeah. Wings. So did, did you work with him on that and then on Monk? Or, Good question. I mean, I, know, I don't think Tony Shaloub was on all the episodes of Wings, but I know... A lot of them. He was on a lot of them, so... He was like he was like the Kramer character on Wings, if I right. remember correctly, yeah. He was that great Italian waiter. That was... Yeah. That's who his character became. He started out when he went... He was a waiter. Then they yeah. brought him in, and you kept thinking about that kind of thing when you're an actor. You, oh, one of these... Come on. <laughs> Someone is just gonna... Like uh, Jamie Farr and MASH. He was just yeah, one time. And they had to put him back. And I kept thinking, well, maybe I just don't have that. That one thing that'll just... But then, you know, they're trying to bring me back in now. So, who knows? I'll be somebody's grandpa. <laughs> I'm looking Somewhere. forward to it. I can't wait to see you back on the screen. TV's where it's at nowadays. TV oh, I can't believe all the shows. Hulu, Netflix, Pe- Peacock, etc. Name it. It's just, yeah. Everyone's got a show. Or two or three or four. I keep seeing them, and I go, I don't care if I think I stink. I've got to do it just in just in numbers and odds I would get one, unless I've completely forgotten how to do it. I think that you would make TV would be very big for you. I also think that, um, like, independent film, a little, you know, you know what I mean? I think that, that that's a good – because the thing with independent film is this, is it might not get as much of a reach that other films will get, but the support – the people that made that film – with you being a part of it, will give you a lot of support. You know what I mean, and they'll promote you very well because they're they're actually gung hoing. They're the ones promoting that film, so they're like pushing heavy. Um, but TV is definitely the deal. Did you? I, are you still union, or did you pop out of the union for? A oh bit? yeah. Oh, so you're not going to want to do low budget movies then? <laughs> I, I, it's kind of a. I don't mind low budget hear you. as long as long as SAG says it's okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. 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 You can't do it for nothing. Kind of thing, um, yeah, 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 for sure. But I'm going to get a chance to uh, judge some, uh, like fan acting. Yeah, Star Trek fan acting, where you you, you judge uh, productions that fans have made of their own Star Trek, like it's called the BJ Trimble Awards, or a BJO, or yeah, like a fan. Like I have, a fan I have that catalog over here for him. Her. It. Yeah, but other than that, uh, I've got to go back and get an agent. Hi, honey. Agent That's my wife. But I think you got an upper hand going back in. I think. Well, as long as you need old people. <laughs> I hear they're rebooting Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which you were a part of. A part of. Oh, well, I could go back because. Oh wait, age does matter in that one, though, doesn't it? But that face was that one an Academy, not an Emmy. For the yeah. uh, artist that did that. Big show. You know, uh, oh, Josh Whedon's yeah. huge right now. Well, right now he has an issue. Everybody's got issues. Everybody did something to upset somebody. It's crazy. And, and oh, like, like uh, during the Star Trek thing, I had nothing to do with the problem between Roddenberry and um, director. Yeah. Just went out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. We had no clue anything was going on between those two. Huh. Although you hear about it in the papers later, and I, I'm not sure if he 
passed away during it, or did he get to ever see it? Ron Mary? Yeah, the, the like the original creator writer, the guy who created the whole deal. Uh, yeah, he might have passed away. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I don't know when exactly he passed. I know that he passed. I think like in the early days of like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. I just don't remember exactly when Deep Space Nine started and everything. So. I know I read something about that, about him, you know, passing along those times. Yeah. Nine, that was great. Did he, that was a show that I, you can go back and look at it. When you say cast, all casting crew, it just goes on for a million pages. Yeah. That was their deal. They wanted to get every character actor a job in. They were going to put it in Deep Space Nine. They did. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe the amount of people I see in that. Yeah. It's a universe. It's like the, it's like bigger bigger than the Marvel universe almost. There's different offshoots of it: movies, television, books. It was originally a book or something, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Comic Deep Space. Book. I mean, I mean, Star Trek itself has become a Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't think it'll ever stop. Ever. Unless I, space stops, I don't. The state. The space is going to come closer to us, which would be a problem. <laughs> The Star Trek thing is weird because how gigantic that, that that first series is. It's only like what three seasons or two seasons. It's like yeah. a li- limited amount of episodes, but it has such an impact on culture. It's kind of crazy. You know? yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of Next Generation, but that you can't be a fan of everything. Exactly. I like Picard. I mean, I love him. Of course. You did you have, did you ever see Green Room? Uh, it's a more modern. Came out like in the last maybe ten years. It's an like an indie thriller Picard is in it uh he plays he plays like a like a white supremacist leader um and it's phenomenal phenomenal like it's great it's like it's the, the people who made it are super talented he's great and green room green room yeah can it be watched on the streamland yeah land of streaming oh yeah, yeah you can probably find it on there i'd say right. somewhere uh yeah, I'd say, or Amazon Prime. I will say this, if you have to pay for it, it's worth, do you get into like newer, newer indie, you watch newer indie movies at all, or just kind yeah, of... sometimes I like right around when they're having the Academy Award and they do the independent film. Yeah, yeah. I start watching a couple of months to see if I can see a few, but most of the time there's somebody I know or I got to see that because yeah. so-and-so's in it or um, yeah. John Hawks, you bring, bring him up. Because he was in Wings also. I was trying to Monk. John Hawk was in it. Stephen Weber. Pardon me? Stephen, Stephen Weber. Weber. All of them. Yeah. And, and once again, all of them famous now. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking. <laughs> I could make a lot more people famous if I just go back to work. You know? That's true. There's That's the future fame. It's up to me. <laughs> so are you casting directors out there listening? You want a successful film under your belt? Come get Jeremy. Oh, actually, see, that doesn't work when I do that. I'm pointing at you. I know. But on my screen, I'm pointing. <laughs> yeah. Mama said it's not nice to point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, dude, Green Room is definitely cool. There's a, and there's a movie called Blue Ruin by the same director. Very good. Uh, they're like uh, psychological thriller, kind of like revenge movies, but like done nicely. You know what I mean? All right. All right. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. So in your in your downtime, what do you regularly like to watch? Oh god. I always watch sitcoms. It's sad. I hate to admit that, but I'm constantly if I'm I guess it's because I'm wanting to be down. Yeah. And I want something that I really don't have to think about and stare at and usually I've seen them all a hundred times, so it doesn't it's just a background. Yeah. But if I pick up something, I, I'm, I'm into succession now. I, I like succession. And yes. We're watching something called Nine Perfect Strangers with um, mm. Kidman and others. I've heard of that one. Yeah, I haven't seen kind that of one. Ollie. It's in the first, there's first three episodes. We've seen two and, I, you know, she's one of those people that she's the person day and night, which I think could be very tedious. Yeah. Character. It's true. Didn't care for her really much anyway. She doesn't care. She's actually said, I don't care if Jeremy Roberts likes it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a t-shirt. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, you can't blame her. She knew Tom Cruise. What was that about? Nicole? <laughs> she married Tom Cruise. She did it so she could be in Eyes Wide Shut with him. That was the only reason why she married Tom Cruise. Boy, was, wasn't that a stinky? When I eyes wide shut, hated it. I, as a kid, I'll say this: as a kid, oh I, yeah, you probably would have been. I didn't like it because it went way over my head. But later in life, I really enjoy it because I like I get deeper into the conspiracy stuff and that whole secret society type vibe. And I almost, without being a wacko, I could almost speculate maybe something like that is why Mister Kubrick. You know, Mr. Kubrick died like six days after the first time that movie screened to the studios. We, it's a weird deal. Weird deal. Hmm. Are you a Kubrick fan? Oh, yeah. Of course. 2001. My wife is huge. She loves Kubrick. Love him. Yeah. What was the uh, Clockwork Orange? Wasn't that him? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I got to meet him. Oh. Cool Kubrick? Oh no! The uh, oh, I was going to say I was going to my pants for a second. Yeah, Roddy McDowell, man. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. We met Roddy. He's a great dude. Roddy's a great dude. Yeah. I I got to meet him in uh, Wing Commander. It was a game. Yeah. Wing Commander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roddy and also you may not know her, but Ginger Lynn. Does yeah. that ring a bell to anyone? Yeah, uh, she kind of from the horror community a little bit. No, well. X-rated film first. Like a model, yeah, yeah. I met her at Spooky World, which is like a weird, weird, like, like 15 years ago I met her. It was her, ICP, uh, and it was the dude who wrote the Monster Mash. They brought all three of them in to, like, sign autographs. Yeah, she was cool. It was funny. I remember she didn't, I was going to give her a hug, and she didn't want to give me a hug. That made me laugh. <laughs> it's okay. She's Spooky the best. Spooky World. Spooky, I've got a friend who's doing a documentary i think about that because he said he'd just been work. what yeah his name is quinn monahan he's doing a documentary he just does those yeah. he's doing one on spooky world and that whole phenomenon about etc horror film and he was doing because uh, i was talking to him because i wanted to get another i had to put together a reel that i never had to have yeah, yeah. before now i gotta have one and it can't be seven to ten minutes it's got to be like 30 seconds and i go let's it's like one roll. That's all I got. Right. Uh, so, I, <laughs> again, I lost the subject. But <laughs> Queen Monaghan, because he, he had just been interviewing uh, Robert. In, and he said, I can't do it for you now, but I got somebody who gave me another name. But uh, he was doing the Spooky World documentary. 
Yeah. And I said, hey, I was in, you know, people on the stairs. Come on. Yeah. If you want to interview me. <laughs> <laughs> Become someone first, he said. Oh. <laughs> we don't need old men. <laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> yeah, spooky world. Haunts are a big deal right now. All these haunted houses that are popping up everywhere. Like, And that was the first one that I can really think of like locally. That was just all year round. You'd go there and there'd be people dressed up walking the grounds. There was multiple haunted houses throughout the whole setup. And you could just walk to different themed ones. It was really cool. We know a dude that was one of the co-owners. Because um, they had like a whole wax museum of like all horror people. Uh, and he's still got a lot of it in his little... He's got, like, a shop with a bunch of that stuff in it, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's hope the world don't get any more spookier. I just didn't... I'm not a big horror film, you know, like Hostel and those ones that are really gruesome. Yeah, yeah. And that whole uh, going to some place just so you can go, oh, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I had a quadruple bypass. I don't... Yeah, you don't need that. can't have that kind of fear. Exactly. Just the only horrors are me and acting and... <laughs> well, you know how it is. The horrors are over. Jeremy's returning in a big way. He's coming back. We support you. We we usually ask a big question right around the finishing of it, which is an actor question. Mm. Now, we know you kind of stepped out for a little bit, but, you know, we get a lot of actors and filmmakers and artists of all kinds that listen to the show. Do you have any advice for, like, uh, an artist on the come-up of dealing with discouraging moments or, like, when they get to a point where it just feels like nothing's working and they want to give up or something? You got any advice that you would give somebody? God, I don't, don't feel good, good giving advice, especially uh, from somebody who didn't have any of those things you mentioned. I hate to say that. I didn't have any down. There wasn't like a period where I had to be a waiter. Yeah. I, I knock wood, but uh, didn't, and I didn't. I don't want to say I'm sorry. I, I didn't have any. No worries. No, I didn't have any pain. I, I Like I said, I did it the way. Well, I'll just get this and I'll get an agent. Yeah. Oh, and it did happen. So I thought it would be that way forever. I'll just get my first job or I'll just, I did. And I get, I, I, I would just say the typical, you know, never give up. Yeah. Cause I mean, anybody can make it. Yeah. I mean, I mean look, anyone can make it. If you can <laughs> act or not, you can still work. Don't give up on that. Uh, Cause obviously I didn't think I could act either. I knew I was good on stage, but I didn't believe it on film TV. It just, I thought I stunk, yeah. but I didn't give up because I did. She kept giving to me the part. <laughs> and I was very happy about that. Uh, no, are you still you get you were still doing something right because you were getting something must have so, right must you know that's what I thought they wouldn't be hiring me they're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna put somebody who stinks in a million dollar this or that yeah you show up yeah. you're passionate willing to work a good person that people want to be around and that's kind of advice right there you know what I mean. But then on the other side, you could show up, get the job, and then never get another one, too. Yeah, That's it's tricky. About it. yeah. I've seen that. I go, where? I do that. That's my big thing. I love watching shows. My wife hates it because I'm constantly matching up someone. Oh, look at that. That's the son of Clint Eastwood, I bet you. And it turns out to be, or, you know, because they look yeah. just like him. Yeah. Or I see the guy in the back. Hey, I did a show with him 16 years ago. See him? He's walking across. He got a line. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Shut up. 
you know, I, I ruined the films. But, um, God, I see the millions that try. Millions. It's the place you go when you want to be rich and famous. See, I don't know what you can tell people because if they want to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. If I'm working, and I'll tell that to all the 65 and over people out there, give up now. You don't have a shot. <laughs> you know, I don't see it. I've heard people, editors, when I go in and I do a editing because they had a plane go over and you got to dub in. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of them say to me, and a lot of people said it after. Yeah, you know, do you see a De Niro? You remind me of De Niro. You do have a De Niro look. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I don't hey. see it, but it constantly was saying, and I went, oh, that's good. I like that. You talking to me? I don't know. <laughs> don't give up. For sure. That's the, you know, big. Live long, prosper. But as I said, if you're over 60, give up, you know, because I'm in there now. You want your roles. They're not going to hire you. I'm, I'm the one. <laughs> I got to get a picture. I want to send a picture to who's casting the, uh, what's it called, Discovery. Is that the next, the most recent yeah. Star Trek? Star, Star Trek, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's got to be an alien in that. I know I can't be me, but I don't know what era it's in. I haven't watched Discovery yet, but. Yeah, Discovery takes place, like, uh, I forget how many years after the end of Next Generation. Uh, no, no, wait, no, I got that backwards. That's Picard. Generations actually is supposed to take place before, like, during uh, the Christopher Pike era. You know, the um, guy who was the head of the Enterprise for the pilot before they got Shatner in. Oh, my God. I don't know this. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 Wow, you now you're telling me shit. That's good. <laughs> yeah, if um if you look uh there's it's called the cage, I believe. It was the pilot episode for the original Star Trek. The only person that made it was Spock, Lennon Nimoy. Everyone else they didn't uh didn't keep. And uh Discovery is pretty much supposedly uh takes place with a crew before uh, well, during the time, because Christopher Pike, who ends up being the captain of the Enterprise, shows up with his crew in in this new, you know, uh, Discovery TV series. So that's where it's supposed to be uh, supposed to be fitted. Did you actually see it, or you just read about that happening? I I, I watched the first three seasons. I think and that's, that's watchable uh, now. Hmm? I mean, not Discovery, but you said the guy that was, there was somebody playing with them before the original Star Trek. Yeah. Um, did it air? Uh, yeah, yeah, it did air. I believe you can find on YouTube, um, possibly if it's on streaming. Uh, I can't see them not having it with the original Star Trek because it was the original pilot that they put out to try and... They didn't really get into it because um, the big thing was they thought it was too cerebral. They wanted more of like Bonanza and Space. That's why they brought in Kirk and more of the, the Western motif with the Kirk character. Um, oh. But And also another thing is that the pilot with um, the, at that point, the uh, I forget the actor who played the role, but the Captain Pike. 
uh, he um, also had a woman as his number one, second command. That was uh, that was played by Gene Roddenberry's wife. That's where they met, and <laughs> then they ended up getting married. Um, but the thing was that the studio execs put their foot down. They said there can never be a woman in second of command. Okay. So that's another reason why they rewrote, and they, I mean, you had Uhura, but they only had her as, and actually they brought in the actress that played, that ends up being uh, Roddenberry's wife, as, I uh, think, uh, as Nurse Chapel or uh, see, had, had that role, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, at least <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm just trying to remember it. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. That's yeah. amazing. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I want to know the actor. I do that too. I want to know who the actor was because of so many stories about like Sean Connery turning down this and you're like, are you kidding? But then the guy who did it afterward was brilliant. So, you know, they always end up okay with that. I like to see who the actor is. And you, sometimes you see something, where did he go? You wonder why he was great. How come he didn't end up being, well, obviously I wasn't in it with him, but how come (laughs) he didn't become famous? (laughs) You know, I see myself. I look like my mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. The well, beard. She's got one. Just... <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But hold out hope. Hold out hope. I, I think that you can end up on Discovery. If not, maybe Picard. You know, you never know. They always need Or, or uh, somehow playing Dimitri Valtine's predecessor, his uncle, his uh, some great uncle or something that in the past. Yeah. yeah. Or put a slap some plastic on me and make me an alien. I'm, <laughs> that was, I always like five hours in a tomb, you know. I well, that happened on Deep Space Nine. I ended up getting sick in the mask and they had a, they put a zipper in the back in case I got really sick really? and had to get out of that mask. Oh, they could yank it off and I could go to a bucket, which I did and they had to. And then they had to replace me in it. They, and they didn't replace me. They, they allowed me to stay in what I'd already shot. And the guy who was my uh, uh, stand-in, who had to put on the makeup every day like I did and never got seen, that day he got to be a SAG card, he, and he took over. Yeah. I think you can even see him in, in a scene where he's shot because he's an African-American, he's a black guy. So yeah. you can kind of see it in the, uh, through the makeup a bit. Yeah, in the eyes, you know, he's that's him. I'm like, oh, but I can't tell who I am in it. I think I hear my voice in one character, but yeah. it might be it because most of the characters that were Jim and they, they did something down here. They were all doing this, and I, I, I remember I hear a scene where I, a Jim Bedard comes past a table, picks something up, and he goes, "What's this?" And it was my voice. I went, "That's me," because it's not "What's this?" I'm doing me. Yeah. It just sounds like a regular person saying. But then I can't figure anything else out. I know he shot stuff. I know I'm one of the six with guns, and then my, my name is in the front of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you you played Osama Klan or something like that. Uh, Missile Klan. Yeah. Yeah, you were the one that uh, had a major issue with uh, the other guy who was trying to get you guys off the white. But you know, you're like you didn't trust uh, Chief O'Brien or Bashir, and. You just thought you guys should just kill him. Now, I remember seeing this now 
watching it. Somebody talks like that, but it wasn't me. Mm. But I can't, I have not looked close enough. I, I looked up the script because I, I didn't keep it just to see. And I found a script, but it didn't have the people's names over their lines. So I couldn't tell which one, what were Mesos Klan's lines. So to this day, I don't really know. But that day, it was 90 degrees, and everybody wasn't feeling well. And I didn't want to tell anyone because you don't want to say, I can't do it, get out. Right. So I, I did it sick for a day or two until I just had to tell them. I just, today's not a, not a good day. And he said, all right, zipper. And within an hour or two, I was out there, and I, I was like, they ran over and, and I, <laughs> of course, they said that the insurance wouldn't let me go on. So they had to let somebody else do it. But I kept my credit, and I think I'm in it. But Do you ever uh, keep keepsakes from films? You know, like maybe a script or maybe a part of the, the, the wardrobe or anything like that? I've known a few actors that did that. Sometimes, I mean, I... I hate to admit, I wanted, I was a big, wanting to be a thief during this, but you know, there were guards at the front doors in the back at the studio. Yeah. We had a guard next to the wardrobe rack, which was right next to the uh, stage hmm. with a guard. Uh, I mean, fully weaponized. I mean, wow. Why well, you got a weapon? Right. Are you kidding? It's a costume. But I wanted one of those tunics. Of course. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out a way to get it. Yeah. But, I, you know, there was this thing I hold. Uh, it was like getting the first iPod, iPad. I'm holding this brown. It was made out of wood. Whoever had structured and made it. And I think it was the last day of the shoot. I went to the bathroom, slipped it under the uh, stall to the other out of the way and walked out and came back and got it. And uh, <laughs> I hate to say that they're going to come after me now. I know. Yeah, yeah. I will never get a job because he's just a stealer. <laughs> he was he wanted to keep it safe. That's how I remember the story going. Yeah. Yes. Until I had to sell it to make money. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I show this all the time because it's just I just love it. Well I am. Oh, yeah. Forget where yeah. I gotta hold this thing. Here we go. Star Let's Trek be your last battlefield. This is Star Trek. Uh, Let this be your last battlefield. It was the one that George uh, Frank Borshin was in. He had the black and white. Yes, yes, yes. He played ballet or bell, B L E. That was great. I mean, you're black on one side, white on the other. Star date. He gave this to me. And, uh, yeah. Hell yeah. I did, of, I did a lot of things like this. I got a Herbie fully loaded uh, car up there. You can't really see it, but it's on the... And I got... This was made for me. Oh! A pop, I guess is what it's called. Yeah. It's Dimitri Valtain from Star Trek. He's even got the lieutenant's... Uh, yeah. His em- emblem, being a like lieutenant. That. Yeah, when I got that, it was like, I'm a science officer. I know I'm one of f- a few. I know Tuvok later. But during the film, there wasn't any other science officer. I was the first officer, science officer, and that meant that I was Spock to Sulu in my mind. I'm Spock to Sulu, and I saw a series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I should have I should have been the first officer for Picard. I, I, I think I would have kicked ass. You know, I think Frank's got it, right? 
Yeah. Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. 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 I thought that was mine. I thought for certain I that would be in it, but. I think the possibilities of getting a new Star Trek is very possible because all the people making them now are the people that enjoyed them then. You know what I mean? So they would love to have those tie-ins of bringing back the people from the original. You know what I mean? That's what I think. Yeah. I think they do that a lot. They do that a lot in films. That, uh, mainly like Star Trek, these kind of fan-driven, huge TVs and films, it's, it, they like to throw in Oh, you see that guy right there? He played in another or something. I know that somehow I said, well, look here. I got right here. Besides, I got that thing at the end of IMDb says I'm one of the only five people that ever gone from the film to a TV show. There's only five of us. uh, Well, I got to get into another one. I got to get into six, seven so that I get that. So IMDb is kind of weird because you know how it looks. It's got that little that whole thing about IMDb. It's all this stuff. And then on the right side, it'll show stuff about the person you looked up. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Roberts, that, 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 everything, and they'll show what you can buy the films in and what they're on that week. And also, there's a section in there for Jeremy Roberts, who's an incredible artist for Marvel Comics, hmm. and they've got his stuff on mine, IMDb. Oh, so I'm also a great actor and an incredible artist for Marvel. So, <laughs> you need royalty checks for that as well. <laughs> nobody's sending me any money, but Marvel's it just looks better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere. That's more important. Being everywhere is more important than the money and the overall scheme of things. <laughs> you know? Takes them but, forever uh, to get that stuff off. Uh, yeah. Google. I have to be tricky. That's horrifying sometimes. You know, on Google, I was uh, last year for, before that, for about a, a year, I was constantly calling, writing Google, saying, when you say Google, Jeremy Roberts, there's this Canadian car salesman's face that comes up. And then underneath it, they'll say everything about me. Yeah, and I go, yeah. that's not me. That's a, it's a politician in Canada. Get him off. You don't understand. I could have agents calling and they want this bad guy. And you got him. Nothing wrong. I'm not saying car salesmen aren't handsome. I'm just saying he had a look that didn't say evil or bad or he could do that. He went, they're not going to hire that car salesman. Get him off. Took him almost a year. It's terrible. It's the Canadian I made him famous too. <laughs> that animal. It's a Canadian thing. There's a there's a Canadian Matthew Fisher that is a musician. So yeah, this I blame the Canadians all all across the <laughs> always. I think it's their fault for everything. They give you. That's where we were trying to find a place to leave because we were going to move to New Zealand or uh, Canada. Yeah. The last four years, it just you know we weren't thrilled with America. Right. Right. But I thought, well, New Zealand's where we've been wanting to move for 20 years. The minute I did a show there, gosh, gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. America's been very weird. Do you think we'll ever get a president that everybody will be happy with again? I don't think that'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they opened the Pandora's box of that element. I mean, sorry, I mean, you might just they seem to have changed the, from just politician Republican to now we hate each other. Right. I mean, you're not, you're immoral or something that's wrong. You, you, you pick bad. I mean, you can have your your vote, but shoot. It didn't go well, and then you want to keep it going well. Right. Anyway, we shouldn't talk about religion or politics. So. <laughs> you stay friends. Divide. There's a great divide, unfortunately. I think that there's, there's a bigger... 
the interest is more keeping people divided than joining up, which is unfortunate. You know, I think that's why they have all these political people. They put so invest so much into getting people to hate each other on you know race, gender, politics, the whole deal. Because if you know you're hating each other, you don't focus on the real problem. Right. Oh well. Hey, Kalamba! Hey, right, well, <laughs> this was a this was a great episode, Jeremy. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. We're going to be supporting you in the fullest. If you ever want to be on the show again, you are always welcome here, my friend. Always welcome. We'll stay in well, touch. If I get back, if I get back, I certainly will. If I get Hell a yeah. job, the first job I'll be going. Hey. Hell yeah! We want to promote it. Fuck. They yeah. haven't figured it out yet. I got a job. <laughs> They still think I'm good. (laughs) We're pulling for you. See, it freaks me out here when Alexander here gets all frozen and looking. I think he's angry, and and I realize, oh, he's just frozen. (laughs) Oh, well, well, that's why on occasion I do play serial killers. Uh, Oh, there we go. (laughs) That's true. But but, but we only only do that sometimes. (laughs) Just at home. Yeah. (laughs) I see duct tape and things back there, too. We were careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's trying. What's the music you got going? You have albums. Me? I, those are all soundtracks. That's where I keep my soundtracks. Oh, I love... Oh, okay. I like uh, the soundtrack for Rudy. From Rudy? I don't own the soundtrack. I got the movie oh, somewhere. That's, that's, that'll make you weak. It will. It's one of my favorite films. I love that. It's a great underdog film, yeah. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. Those are mainly some comedies, horror, exploitation, uh, you know, action. I, I get influenced by them. I let them influence my life. You know? Do you have any Russ Meyer films? Films, yeah, I got yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. Me, me, and Quentin Tarantino watch that a lot together. <laughs> That's like his favorite movie of all time. Yes, because. They told me a story when they were in New York. Frank and Haji, they, they had lunch at that, uh, all right, dropping that up at the restaurant that's been famous for a hundred years. And they have, uh, pictures like that one of stars. Yeah. Okay. All over the place. And they were in this restaurant and, uh, Frank's was on the wall too, of course. Uh, and they had, uh, Quentin Tarantino because he was shooting something, uh, a TV show. What was that show? ER. He did an episode of ER, I believe. It was Las Vegas, I think. Okay. Oh. Josh Dumal was there that night, Las Vegas. Uh, yes, Frank was there. And uh, that was Quentin was with him. What was this about? See? What were we talking about? We were talking about Quentin Tarantino and me watching um, Faster, oh. Pussycat, uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Right. Oh, that's, oh, sorry. That was what came up in their conversation. We were talking around, and he's having a – it was like, here's Quentin – just like me, like loving this Frank, and he's having lunch with him, and they're talking about this film that his girlfriend, my mother-in-law's in. And <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm a nerd fan. I, uh, that won't change, you know. That's yeah. I'll never change. Start to, yeah, that's what, and Quentin is too. That's why Quentin's so cool is because he's a fan first, and he came from nothing, which I appreciate. You know, another gentleman I might add that didn't know his father, didn't know his father. Um, and he didn't have money, which is too big, you know, two big deals. 
And he, he's, you know, to get to the heights of Hollywood where, where Mr. Tarantino's at today without being, you know, blessed with connections or kind of finances is really something that should be commended. I know a lot of people give him some hate. Unfortunately, they hate on Quentin every now and then, but he really is one of the best filmmakers going. And I got to respect his, his come up for sure, you know. Yeah, well, I, I agree completely. I'm not, I'm not a total fan always, you yeah. know. Sometimes I guess it could be that old, you know. There's just blood everywhere, and I go, uh, "Am I just old? Am I my dad now?" You know? <laughs> but the, I was never a big horror kind of. Just kind of lend to, like the Django. I, I just went, "What? What?" Uh, yeah, and he's not filming anymore, isn't he? He's just giving it up. He's he doing one more film, I believe, and then he's supposed to be tapping out. He's going to write books, and he he'll probably do television. That's I didn't my see. Guess. What was the one with the Pitt and D'Onofrio? Oh, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it, and I keep saying to myself, I'm going to see this, because it sounds like a blast. Very good. I think you would like it, actually. Okay, all right. Very, uh, 50, I think it's 50, uh, no, what, 70s, I think? I think it's 70s it's Hollywood. Manson era, so, uh, well, it's a Manson. What is that? 69. Manson was 69, 69. so yeah, it's, it's based in 1969. Oh, and I love those kind of films. I don't know why I didn't see it, because I love anything that has a period, yeah. wherever. But period Hollywood, wow, I grew up, yeah. you know, the strip. So everything you see would be, I, I what was get old. Was, was Haji the, the stepmother at the time that you auditioned for Reservoir Dogs? No. Okay, because I was going to say I didn't want to speculate, but if you drop that fun fact on him, it could have worked in your favor a little bit. Oh, yeah. I could, if I had done that on almost anything, yeah. I could probably be having work. Because he's, he's a gigantic fan. That little connection would have been like, all right. And then my, we, nobody would know Michael Madsen. Oh, my God. Poor Michael Madsen. Great. And now I like, can think about that. <laughs> if I'd have only met her sooner. And be like, <laughs> how much gas you want on pump two? That'd be, that's Michael <laughs> Madsen at that point. <laughs> that's him. Do it again. Do it again. I want to hear that. How much gas you want on pump two? <laughs> <laughs> we love Michael Madsen here. <laughs> we don't hate. We infiltrate. No. <laughs> well, no, that's why I hang on to that thing that, you know, if you just work with me, you're going to be big. I so agree. All I got to hang on to. Me and Alex are blowing up after this. Cast <laughs> will be on Channel Seven next Quentin's week. Quentin's going to call us up tomorrow. Uh, they're going I'm to. Be like, I support. Hey, don't laugh. You get a call and you'll be. He was telling the truth. We're coming back for you. If we get that call, <laughs> you're starring in all the films. We're going to bump Alex Hawk out of the starring role. Put you right in there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we took, we kept you for four hours. We'll let you go. I think we're pushing three. I think we're pushing three. Yeah, we're pushing three hours. Wow. Yeah, time flies. Wow, I didn't even realize. That's, that's long. That's how we do. That's how we do it here at Boom Cast. And we don't know how many people left the room during it, but that's okay. <laughs> Nobody that matter will say. We, we yeah. Alex, Alex stroked out for a little bit, but we got him back. <laughs> Up, but we have them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'll go away now, and I'm going to go over there and see if Boston lost to Texas. Oh, uh, we'll hold hope for him. 
How can you be first? How can you be first for all half the season, yeah. and then now you're not even in the playoffs? I don't. I'm wasting well, my love for them. It's the honeymoon period, yeah. <laughs> the honeymoon period. Another period piece, the honeymoon period. Yeah. We're very beautiful. Now everything's nice. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. That was fantastic. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a good night over there. Or day. I think you got some day coming to you. I got a little more day left. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk soon. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Alex. Right. Thank you, sir. We'll catch up with you soon. Have a good one. All right. Pleasure. Right. Pleasure. He's a man who knows what he wants and knows how to get it. He left. He didn't want to leave. We didn't want him to leave, but he left. That's just what time does to people. You know, we had the gentleman for almost three hours. We thank him very incredibly for that time. That was a great interview. We talked about a lot of good stuff. Jeremy is a good man, a super talent. I'm looking forward to getting him, seeing him back in the mix, and I think he definitely will fall back into the mix. You know what I mean? Like I said, so I think a lot of the people making films and TV now are the people that grew up at that era where that was the, their intake of what they were, the, what influenced them to want to re, re keep it going. You know what I mean? Fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You want to say anything in closing over there? Alexander, the Hawk, Alexander, the great. No, nothing. I mean, the thing is, I mean, as I said, it, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him. He had a lot of great insight, stories, experiences. And as I said, he was like one of the first character actors uh, that, you know, I'd be watching one series, I'd see him, I'd see him in another. And, you know, I, I constantly always made notes. And he was always so much, you know, he always uh, was fun and he was always doing something different, which was great. I mean... Right. And it was awesome to have him on the show. It was a pleasure for sure. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I like about our show so much. It's like the, you'll see that you'll have these actors come on that you know, you recognize their face, you know what I mean, from certain things. And we get to really dive in and kind of do some get to know situations, some get to know time, some guest time at Boombastic Cast. You know what I mean? We kill it. Alexander Hawk talk shop. We all talk shop. It's beautiful, though. Fantastic. And another one in the books. You know what I mean? Again. If you all enjoyed this, then hell, go enjoy some more episodes. Whether you're watching or listening, wherever you're doing those things is where you can find more episodes to do those things at. You know what I mean? Get out there, support Jeremy Roberts. You know what I mean? Find him on social medias. You know, go watch his YouTube videos, his movie, to go on his IMDb, give him high ratings. You know what I mean? Uh, very good dude. You know what I mean? We're glad to have him. It was an honor. And uh, if you want to help support the Boombastic cast, we get the Boombastic streaming on Patreon. You know, support all of our, uh, you know, social medias. Uh, we got Boombastic Media YouTube page. You know what I mean? Those are the spots. So, hell yeah. Thanks for accompanying us on this journey. Alex, you want to say anything else before we bounce out? No, I, I've said it all and had a great time. You're looking extra handsome today. I didn't tell you before, but you look fucking studly. Brad Pitt was going to be on the show, was going to do a guest spot, but he said, Alex Hawk looks so fucking handsome. 
I can't be on a screen next to him. I'll lose fucking my next five movies I got lined up. Lose him to the hog. You know what I mean? Hey, big handsy, baby. Big handsy. Handsy. So, with that being said, me and the hawk will catch all y'all on the next episode of the Boom Bastic Cast. Peace. Peace.